What's up, everybody, and welcome to Gaming History 101, the Retro Video Games Podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Fred Rojas, and joining me tonight is a very special guest who has joined me a couple of times for some of our biggest podcasts, none other than Knuckleballer Radio's Eli So Doom. How are you, Eli? I'm doing pretty good, man. Excellent, excellent. Did you have a good uh, Christmas? Yeah, pretty fantastic. I have my uh, like eight days off from work, which mm-hmm. makes me very, very happy. Well, excellent, man. I am in the middle of mine. I am halfway through my second week. So <laughs> that's awesome. Um, well, good. Yeah, it was a good Christmas for me too. Um, but I will talk about some of that stuff over on uh, probably the B team when I talk about it. However, I will tell you guys, I did get Link uh, the 3DS Link Between Worlds, which Eli, I know you got as well for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Mine was I've a been self-bought loving Christmas the gift. shit out of it, dude. <laughs> yeah, that that 3DS XL is definitely amazing. Uh, I'm very pleased with that screen. Well, uh, I mean, like the 3DS as a whole. Like, I've just been liking the whole everything about it. Like, I've been playing. Mm-hmm. Like, I bought New Leaf for me and my girl, and it's yep. just been cool. Like the little shit. Like, she left because you know we weren't doing nothing here, so she left her, her boyfriend's house to spend New Year's there. I'm like, no problem. But I told her, make sure to log on so we can at least celebrate right. New Year's on, mm-hmm. on on New Leaf. <laughs> yep, yep. You got to get your stuff. Uh, I remember New Year's was a great one in the original uh, Animal Crossing because it unlocked a game. On New Year's, there were 30 original NES games in the GameCube version of uh, Animal yeah, Crossing. Yeah, that I remember. Yeah. There is, there is none in this one, right? There are no, no. NES games. No, right? they've stopped doing NES games now that there's a thing called the Virtual Console. Yeah, that would have <laughs> been nice. <laughs> but yeah, so. Um, and I'll say it yet again, even though I said it before we went live, uh, so it's on the pre-recording. Our boys at 42 Level 1, um, Yuri and various others across the pond, our listeners that are in Europe, it is currently 12.15 Greenwich Mean Time AM, so you guys are enjoying 2014, while Eli and I uh, have about five hours to go. So, Well, I have six hours to go, actually. I'm Central Time, so i got a while. but uh, uh-huh, So I'm in the future. Yes, yes. So Happy New Year. But those of you listening, it's probably 2014 now. So uh, welcome from the past. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, tonight's show is going to be about Final Fantasy VI, also known as Final Fantasy III on the Super Nintendo. Um, Eli and I both played it. Uh, we're going to be talking about it. I should warn you in advance. It's spoiler heavy. Um, and we're going to change... Doi. What? Idoi. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, spoilers, the world ends. Um, but, uh, um, <laughs> but, uh, damn, man, I didn't know that. Dude. I know, just, just, just right off the bat, we're gonna, we're gonna open with the heavy shit. And, uh, Darth Vader is Luke's dad. Um, but, uh, but, uh, so we're gonna do that. And, uh, we're gonna do our, our format a little different this time. And this is not unique. I'm gonna give credit where credit's due all across this podcast. Um, uh, Watch Out for Fireballs does a lot of game clubs. They, they do retro game clubs and they're kind of this fun little, uh, I know Gary and, and, and Cole will probably be pretty mad that I call it this, so I'm sorry, guys, but they do a little bit of a, uh, elitist version of a, of a, you know, a playthrough, um, but they do it with a ton of care. They know how to do game clubs, and they've made me reflect back on my game clubs. And it's, What's it called again? Uh, it's called Watch Out for Fireballs, and they do okay. like two to four hour podcasts, but they break it up. Um, into multiple episodes, and they do an episode every two weeks, and they play, uh, Eli, mostly hardcore RPGs. Everything from old PC stuff, they play both Fallouts, um, but occasionally they do more recent stuff. Um, I know they've done, like, well, more recent from a retro perspective. They do, like, Eternal Darkness, um, and they've done a lot of other games, and uh, they really dissect it and break it down, but 
one of the things they do that I really like is before they talk about it so they can really dig deep into kind of the gameplay elements and their impressions was they just get the plot out of the way right at the beginning. So I'm going to do that with help from the Final Fantasy VI uh, Wikia, which uh, has a really nice write-up on on surmising the uh, the uh, the entry. And when I uh, wrote one up myself, it was about three pages long, <laughs> and I read this, and this was a lot better. So um, I'm going to read it pretty fast, but it's going to just get through the plot so that we can go back through, and then we'll just kind of walk through all of the events throughout the game um, really briskly, and then just stop on stuff we want to talk about. So, um, also in this recording, it's going to be in post Eli because I can do it live, but it's really hard to get music to sound right live. Um, so, uh, we are going to have uh, music in here, uh, that I've borrowed from the soundtrack. So, uh, you can definitely listen for that if you re-listen to the episode, but, uh, but that'll be in here as well because this game, especially the SNES iteration has a fantastic soundtrack. You know, and that's honestly, I think that's an understatement. Mm Mm-hmm. Because like the Yamaha chip flexes its muscles, it, it wo- or blew, the Sony like, chip. Playing this again, it blew my mind at times, and I'll leave it at that till we yeah. get into it. But it blew my mind at times. Oh no, it's 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 yeah, it's absolutely spectacular, huh. and holds up pretty well on the Game Boy Advance. Because uh, this time, just to be clear, you played through on the SNES version, correct? I well, I played the SNES via emulator because I think that my Super Nintendo that I have died. <laughs> I had a Dreamcast die in the last game club, so I understand. So, yeah, I think it's, I think my games are fine. Like I have, for the record, I own Final Fantasy three, a hard copy. Yep. But um, yeah, I think it died on me. But um, I played it on my <laughs> handy dandy little all in one, you know, Hewlett Packard computer, and in, in the Windows eight shop, there's a SNES uh-huh. emulator. Yep. It actually was really good. Like it actually, I couldn't get um Z S N E S to work on it. Yeah, ZSNES uses kind of like an adapted uh, command prompt screen almost. It's like a GUI that's written to run kind of DOS in the background. So, so it's kind of like DOSBox? Kind of. Yes, very similar. And uh, therefore, it doesn't it doesn't like Windows 7 wonderfully, but Windows 7 is really good with compatibilities. So if you have issues, you can kind of run it in compatibility mode. Because I do like Z, Z you know, because of the filters. ZNES, oh yeah. Yeah, it it, it 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 looks well, but the, unfortunately on the app they came with the, I mean that I downloaded it on the Windows 8, it's just raw. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's just a raw game, yeah. which again I don't mind because I honestly believe the 16 bit games are gorgeous. They are. They you know are they don't need fantastic. too much help, but um yeah, so that, that's how I, that's how I did it. Well, and uh, Fortinguard's saying it in the chat, the GBA version is fine, too. I actually played the GBA version this time, uh, Final Fantasy VI Advance, and it that's was fixed, fantastic. Right? What? That's the one that's fixed, right? They got rid of all the stupid yes. um, grammatical errors and the story parts that don't make sense. They cleaned it up. They added a dungeon, although I didn't do it um, because it's not huge. Uh, they they cleaned up the that's spell names. Yeah, right. They changed <laughs> up the spell names and things like that, but... Uh, Limited censorship stuff, which we'll get into in a minute, um, does still remain. So it is still a Nintendo property. Uh, but yes, it's, it's kind of like a cleaned up version that's more consistent. It acknowledges that this is the sixth iteration, whereas uh-huh. because two and three didn't, uh, on the NES didn't come out in America, R2 and three is actually four and six. Uh, we've gone over it as many times, so I don't yeah, want to yeah, 
to re rerun. I'm sure that the fans thing. actually know the whole Japan Japanese and American differences between the number. Well, yeah, and we definitely covered it on our Final Fantasy episode. So if you haven't heard that, go back and listen. Eli and I actually ran through Final Fantasy one through six, uh, but we gave Final Fantasy six 15 minutes, and oh, uh, so now we're gonna give it. 90 to 120 minutes. So we're going to give it the, uh, credit that's due. And actually, Eli, you're the reason why we're, why we're doing it. Um, because you were like, fuck yeah, I'd do this. And, uh, I need an this, excuse. This one and Link to the Past. Mm-hmm. Those are two games that I'm looking for an excuse to play. Cause I do find it hard to play, um, retro games when I got a stack the size of my head of games to play. Correct. You know what I'm saying? But I, if I get an excuse, oh, we're doing a, a game club, I'm like, okay. Bet, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So, yep, and, and that's exactly that's exactly why we do this game club. And I do acknowledge though that people people have lives and they have and they have their own pile of shame they want to get through. So on the plus side, Eli, uh, you guys can rest assured I will announce what they are at the end of the show. But I have already picked our next three game clubs. Ooh. And aside from February, which isn't going to be crazy because it's a shorter month. Uh, you guys are pretty safe across the board, uh, for our game clubs. So, <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but as you guys know, Final Fantasy VI, uh, this may be your first time listening to a Gaming History 101 game club. Final Fantasy VI is a very highbrow, very strong title. It's covered by a lot of people. And I try to stray from titles like this because so many people have already done game clubs on it. There's probably people who are better than me who've done it. I can tell you, watch out for Fireballs did it. Theirs is a five-hour podcast, and so holy, they holy. delve really into it. So this is going to be a little more skim than that. And I yeah. guarantee you, Eli and I both know we're going to have to trim some of what we want to talk about already just going into it knowing that. So because <laughs> of that, I try to stick to either games that you wouldn't traditionally want uh, think of someone doing like we did, uh, you know, Mickey Castle of Illusion, which actually is one of the most complimented ones we've done, and uh, and things like that, or games that people haven't played, so I'm giving you an excuse to play them. The only downside is, like, with the Blue Stinger episode, the only real way to get it is to get your hands on a Dreamcast and Blue Stinger. So, for what it's <laughs> worth, it gives you an idea as to how to, like, play this game without playing it, so to speak. So, it's a way to do both. So, um, but yes, so... Without further ado, we will jump right into it. Um, and uh, before, sorry, before we do that, I do have a couple of things. One is a listener mail, so you guys can uh, write into us gaminghistory101.com forward slash contact, or go to the main page gaminghistory101.com and click on contact, and you can even give me a uh, a subject if you care to. This one comes from uh, Jeffrey. C is what I'll say, uh, but you know you emailed me. So um, he said, uh, "Hey, I love the show. This is truly one of my favorite podcasts out there. It's one of the rare shows that are timeless, and you can listen to whenever, uh, whenever, and learn a ton. I can't tell you uh, how many times I've used the knowledge I learned in Gaming History 101 in everyday conversations. <laughs> well, excellent. That's the goal. Uh, everybody's kind of used to pop culture. People like to strut their film stuff. Now we can strut our video gaming stuff. And we do want to be... The one thing that I love about this, Eli, is everyone's kind of competitive when it comes to podcasts. We're all fighting over free years. And uh, what I like about the retro world is we all kind of band together. You know, like, even with my limited talks to some of the guys on Retronauts, they were like, yeah, if I've got the free time, I'll come on. Like, they're, they don't look at it as... None of us look at it as competition. Same thing with Watch Out for Fireballs. You know, it's like, it's one big community, and the more you can learn, the more you can. Um, he said, I hate history, but now it seems like I spend most of my timing, my time learning the history on everything from firearms to computers. Well, good for you, buddy. 
Uh, that's it's great. It's great to know why things do what they do. It's it's good to know that fun stuff too, because you can. I don't know if you'll get a date from it, but it's 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 cool to be the jack of all <laughs> trades in your office. Um, but uh, he said I've been catching up on my backlog, and I just listened to the Mega Man episode, so he's not too far back in his backlog. <laughs> And I have to ask, were you being sarcastic when you said the GameCube was the best version of the Mega Man Anniversary Collection? Surely that's a joke. Not because I don't like the GameCube, but because they did something sacrilegious on that version. They reversed the jump and shoot buttons. I was unaware of this, well, Eli. That's terrible. Yes. The... People should be freaking fogged for doing that. <laughs> Absolutely. A was shoot and B was jump, and you can't rebind them. Which, uh, which as a PC gamer baffles me. It goes against everything I learned from the past 20 years of platformers, and it's unplayable just for that alone. I play inverted on console FPS, but this is just terrible. <coughs> I agree with you. I had no idea. So perhaps Jeremy was speaking to, uh, Jeremy Parrish was who I think I got that from, and I think I say that on the episode. Uh, perhaps Jeremy was speaking to the actual emulation itself, although I have the PS2 version of the Mega Man collection, and now I've been able to kind of garner up the games themselves, so I don't need it anymore. But the PS2 one always seemed fine enough, and the D-pad's good enough. Um, so I guess, play the PS2 version, or, my real advice is if you can pony up 20 bucks, I think it's 20 to 30. No, it would be 30 plus. But if you can pony up the 30 bucks plus to get them on virtual console instead of getting the Mega Man Anniversary Collection, you're probably better off. And if you can find the old carts, you're going to pay a little bit more. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, they, they are the worthwhile uh, way to do it. So I apologize for that. Um, do not play the GameCube version, I guess, because I personally feel that sacrilege. And the GameCube has enough little controller quirks as it is, that B and A that are different sizes, that probably Mega Man would be weird on it as a whole. So, I don't think you'll beat Mega Man 2 that way. Uh, so don't do it that way. <laughs> um, Eli, are you a big Mega Man guy? You know what? I used to be. Uh-huh. But I tried playing those games, like, recently, and, you know, I don't like getting kicked in the nuts. mm then you don't like Mega Man much. Not these days. Cause either. Uh, yeah. As a kid, I put the time into it and I love, I believe as a kid, my favorite one was Mega Man 3. You know, growing up, playing it on the NES. And I loved it. But like, I, when I went to revisit them, unlike Final Fantasy 3, um, it, to me, they don't hold up. That's just me though. You know. Uh huh. They don't hold up, or I don't enjoy... Okay, here you go. My enjoyment doesn't hold up. <laughs> I don't know that the games really hold up. Uh, and and you, I can say that because I think everyone who bought Mega Man 9 did it for nostalgia, and it did just that. And very, very few people grabbed Mega Man 10, including that. And I think what Capcom was hoping was that Retro Style would kind of pull in new users. And I really doubt um, that Mega Man 9 pulled in many users. It was just a lot of old-school gamers. And then they just kind of tuned out for 10. I'm one of the few people I know who got 10, and a lot more people I know got 9. And uh, I haven't beaten a fucking second of either of them. But uh, anyway, uh, he also goes on to say, also one other question, Did you? Uh, will you ever do pinball gaming history? It's part of gaming history, and I think I'm sure you can knock that shit out of the park. And with games like Pinball Arcade to that emulate real tables, I'm sure there's an interest in it. Uh, there absolutely is an interest in pinball. Um, I've got a couple of things for you. They're not really what you want to hear, uh, but I will talk about it. The first one being that if you're really into pinball, I'm going to recommend a retro gaming podcast. It's extremely long, so hopefully you have lots of time on your hands. They release once a month, 
and they do a seven-hour podcast, Eli. Jesus um, Christ. Yes. Uh, but if you think about it, that's kind of like any one of our podcasts <laughs> br- broken down, you know, into one episode. Um, but they are called uh, Retro Gaming Roundup. And uh, they're the guys who uh, run Game Gavel. Um, they're great guys, and they have amazing amounts of information on pinball, especially because uh, one of the guys there is an uh, an aeronautics engineer who uh, loves to fix pinball. So that is a great place to get a lot of pinball information for right now. As far as myself, I played a lot of pinball growing up. I just don't know really how that show would function. So I'm thinking maybe we do that Gaming History X show from time to time where we talk kind of neo-retro. And I'm thinking maybe I can get Chip Sella, of course, uh, pinball aficionado on, and maybe another pinball hardcore person who actually played old school pinball, and I know Chip did, um, and talk about some of the tables we like and then fuse that together with kind of what um, you know some of the pinball uh, historical digital games did such as Pinball Arcade, and there was also the Williams Collection on uh, 360, Wii, and PS2, um, and and PSP as well, which is a a solid collection of very classic Williams pinballs um, that we could maybe weave into like a one-hour show. So maybe we'll do something like that. And then last but not least, we do have an episode coming up. I think it'll be in February. That's That was actually going to have Chip in it as well, and it's going to be about digital pinball games. The games that were pinball games on old school stuff like Pinbot on the NES, Pinball on the NES, um, Crewball, Sonic Spinball, things like that. So those old school games. So those will be coming up, although I know they're probably not what you're talking about, and Warham's talking about it. Yes, PinMame and PimCabs are absolutely huge, and we will talk a bit about them. Maybe I can get John in for a second on that one. Maybe we can get John in for, for if we if we promise to keep it to an hour. So um, we will definitely look into that. But, yes, I understand pinball, uh, much like arcades, is one of those things that people wonder why you don't do more episodes on. And I think the hard part about them is they're the, by the very nature that they are quarter-short experiences, it's hard to really reflect on them too, too much without just firing off a list. But we will do... The best we can. We will do the best we can. And Warham is talking about how uh, Pleasure Dome is where you can get pinball ROMs and stuff. And I hear those things can emulate very well in a digital format uh, the games of old. So uh, definitely something to look into. Uh, pin Mame is what it's called, and Pin Cabs is another one. Uh, but uh, all right. So with that in mind, Final Fantasy VI. <laughs> You probably knew it as Final Fantasy III, like I did. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give you guys a little background information, it was first released on the Super Famicom in Japan, April 2nd, 1994. came out officially October 20th, 1994, and made lots of kids uh, 
Christmases, unlike Final Fantasy II, which was a remake of Final Fantasy IV made easier and significantly shorter, Final Fantasy VI is relatively untouched from its original Japanese version, and it was one of the larger carts. I do believe, I couldn't find specifics, but I do believe the cartridge retailed for eighty nine ninety nine when it came out due to the massive amount of chips. So That's crazy. Yeah, it was a fucking massive game. Um, another thing for those of you who have played through the archives, probably noticed that Final Fantasy V and VI are equally strong and large titles um, that even kind of look the same in, in terms of graphical prowess. Um, but it's weird, right, because they're five and six, and how do they crank them out so quick? Um, because uh, Final Fantasy V hit in late 92. It would have hit America in 93. It was going to be called Final Fantasy Extreme, I think. And then Final Fantasy VI... Uh, or three for us, uh, came out a year later. And so the question was, how did they do that? Well, basically, it was two different, uh, two different, uh, members of the Final Fantasy world splitting off. Um, you guys can probably, you know, again, we, we, we can t- talk more about it, but it was covered pretty <laughs> extensively in the Final Fantasy episode, so I don't want to be redundant. Uh, also, the game's translation was pretty good, however, uh, Famous translator Ted Wolseley, who was responsible for a lot of the kind of, you know, he kind of localized stuff instead of just translated it. Um, (laughs) He was given 30 days to complete this. (laughs) So, and as we'll talk about, Eli, this is a long fucking game. (laughs) Wow. So, yes, he was. uh, Yeah, he was handed the game cartridge and the files, and they were like, make it. Do it. Get to yes. it, Sparky. <laughs> yes, and the other thing that was pretty difficult is, uh, and we've talked about this, is uh, with uh, Japanese, you can kind of reflect entire, uh, with symbols, you can reflect entire thoughts and things like that, and you don't require a lot of the, uh, um, a lot of the punctuation and various other factors, plus it takes up a lot less space because um, written Japanese text, uh, again, can convey entire words and symbols, uh, yeah, yeah. and uh, whereas uh, words are different based off of even the space the letter takes up versus how much space the word takes up. And it's definitely not a one-to-one ratio. Uh, but Ted got it done. Um, and uh, on his original cut, it was four times too large for the for the cart. And so he had to do pre-scripting and a bunch of little workarounds and things like that um, to get it to work. But he definitely wanted, um, he definitely wanted a better version. So the PlayStation port... Um, uh, remains to be his original translation, the one that was, you know, four or five times the length. And then apparently in Final Fantasy Advance, uh, they did a, uh, a kind of cleanup of Woolsey's translation. Um, the only other big differences are there is minor censorship, uh, as was the case with Nintendo in those days. Um, they, uh, they always uh, censored any nudity of any kind, and there were games with nudity, Final Fantasy VI being no exception. The Siren had her butt sticking out. Have you ever seen this, Eli? <laughs> I have not. Okay. Well, it doesn't really matter. It's 16-bit butt. But uh, <laughs> but the Siren standing there sticking her booty kind of out at you. She's holding a harp and everything. She's a blonde little uh, vixen there. And uh, her ass is completely exposed in the uh, in the Super Famicom version. Once it came over to America and Europe, uh, she got some uh, Daisy Dukes. She got some short shorts. And uh, it's now I'm covered looking, up. I'm looking at it right now. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's now covered up with a uh, strip of ribbon that basically just covers the, uh, you know, what can very clearly be seen as, as a butt um, for the Final Gosh. Fantasy Advanced versions that came over. Because Nintendo still didn't want blatant nudity in their games. 
Um, it might have also affected the ESRB rating. I'd like to think not, but especially in America, we're pretty puritanical. Uh, sex, especially in video games, is criticized heavily. Um, somehow the David Cage games jump under the radar, but otherwise, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not seen as positive. And actually, I say that, but Fahrenheit slash Indigo Prophecy uh, was going to get an AO had they kept in the uh, unedited sex scene in it. And sure. so they did cut it for our American version. Um, other than that, uh, bars were, were seen as cafes in America. That's why they're all called cafes. Yeah. <laughs> they're supposed to be bars or pubs. Um, and, uh, uh other than that, itself, they call it like lemonade or juice or something. Yeah. Yes. Yes, they do. Uh, or iced tea or I, I can't remember exactly what they call yeah, it, yeah. but yeah. And they might have changed it between our different translations too. So something to keep in mind. Uh, also last but not least is religious imagery. There's lots of pentagrams, crosses, etc. Nintendo had a very strict policy not to keep this into American instances. So Nintendo of America removed all of those things as well as uh, spell changes. For example, holy became pearl, various other examples. And uh, I do believe those were changed back though. Um, let's see here. Yes. Uh, a lot of that changed back for the PlayStation and uh as well as uh final fantasy advance so uh so there you have it um and uh other than that uh basically final fantasy 6 was ported quite a few times um it is on the virtual console in its original american form it is also on the uh, game boy advances i had said uh, final fantasy 6 advance is a little expensive i want to say 30 40 bucks Probably well worth it, especially because the SNES cart will run you 60 to 100, depending on uh, the degree of, uh, of uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, condition you're looking for. And in addition, the, uh, the battery backup save can uh, falter on you, uh, of which I believe it's non-volatile RAM in the Game Boy Advance version, so it, it will indefinitely save. But that may also have a battery backup. Um, then probably my recommended ways to do it, PlayStation Network and Wii Virtual Console. Now, the PlayStation Network is part of the PlayStation 1 ports, uh, so yes, obviously it was on PlayStation 1. Um, in the Final Fantasy Anthology with Final Fantasy V, I've heard these versions are a little rough. Maybe they have long load times or something. Um, I don't know. I've, I've had them from time to time. I, I've gotten them on PlayStation Plus and things like that. I've never played through these versions, but I'm sure they're perfectly fine, and I know they add some extra stuff in them. Uh, so it might be worthwhile checking out. Um, and then there is an iOS and uh, Android version that just came out, and it's god-awful. Stay away from it, especially with a $10 price tag on the PSN, a $8 price tag on the Virtual Console, and a $17 price tag on the iOS Android store. Stay away from that port. So, anyway. So on to Final Fantasy VI. Eli, is there anything you wanted to throw out about the game before I do this uh, quick diatribe on uh, the story? Well, I was surprised on how well this game holds up. I played it oh, last yeah. probably when I was 16. I'm 36, FYI. Um, mind you, I played it extensively back then. I must have, you know, I probably beat it five times. <coughs> and what I would do back then is I would beat it, delete my save, and start mm -hmm. over again on purpose. And oh, yes. when I say beat, I mean all my characters to 99, do everything in the Coliseum, get, you know, make sure to have the Sasquatch. You know, make sure to get the Mog, you know, make sure to save Shadow. I did everything, you know, and level everybody up with the dinosaurs on the dinosaur uh -huh. forest. Yes, yes. And, yeah, 
And I hadn't played it in 20 years. And it held up so well. Like, it blew my freaking mind how well this game held up. And I have to agree with you. I uh, I actually hadn't played this since I was 22. And for the record, in six days, I turned 32. So uh, okay. it's been a decade for me. It was my first time playing it when I played it back then. I played it on the SNES. Okay. And uh, I knew nothing of the special stuff. Uh, I did not agree with walkthroughs and guides. Final Fantasy games nowadays have taught me that that's a stupid thing. <laughs> it's sometimes useful, especially when going back to these old ones. Did not play through this one with a guide. Wanted to see how much I could remember. And learning that I remembered very little. Uh, I couldn't even remember the Mog part where you can save him. Uh, it's in like a, a belly or something, I remember. Or you go inside its mouth, right? No. He was when I did it in the world of ruin, and you oh, okay. walk you walk up to where you know there was ten thousand mogs, and now he's there by himself, and you like he's like can I join your party? You're like whatever, let's come. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the one that I totally forgot was the the Sasquatch. Yes, and I like, don't I don't know if you could get him in the world of um, what's it called balance. Uh huh. Yeah, but I got him in the world of ruin. But I, I was try, busting my head to, how to get both of those guys in the world of um, balance, and I couldn't get them. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, and uh, and and Tiger Claw's talking about uh, uh, different endings. Um, I like, like I said, I got I got probably the straightforward ending, which most people got. Uh, it's not as dynamic, I think, from the endings, but I could be wrong. As uh, say the endings you would get if you uh, played like Chrono Trigger. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I what we'll discuss here real quick is the canonical ending. Um, but yes, I did remember Shadow though. Shadow's the easy one to remember if you know the trick, and we'll talk about that uh, uh, when the uh, when the time comes. Um, and uh, this game's relatively long. I would say it's no, not necessarily any longer or shorter than most Final Fantasy games. Definitely longer than two in America or Final Fantasy four. Um, but the extended version of Final Fantasy IV goes on about 30, 40 hours. Uh, this one I beat in 42, and that was pretty quick because uh, I wasn't doing most of my stuff. I think the average time most people finish it is about 39 hours, I would say. But I think a lot of these people know what to do. Um, and Eli, you, how long did yours go? It was 50, 50 hours, and that's with getting my characters. My highest level character was uh, Cyan, which I got him to 79, and everybody else is around there. The lowest being 54 for the throwaway characters that I don't like. Right. Which is, uh, unfortunately, I love Realm. Like, I love her character. Her, her intro music, mm -hmm. it just kills me, but she's a hater. <laughs> she's just a shitty character. So her, <laughs> her stupid grandfather, <laughs> I just they're, they're, they're uh -huh. my throwaway characters. So I didn't level them. But, yeah. So it was like, around 70, if I had to average it, probably 72 and 50 hours. Okay. And that's, you know, getting some decent items. And I'll tell you right now, dude, I don't know how I could have done it without the fast-forward feeling. Oh, yeah. You, you did it the fair way, right? Yep. So but, these, these 50 hours probably more equate to 30 because I had to right. – when, when I was grinding, I had the fast-forward on. And in this version um, – in this emulator, you could do it five times. <laughs> I got you. So, I mean, dude, I give you props. Because as much as I like the game, the grinding is yeah. terrible back then. I mean, by those standards, yeah. it's horrible, the grinding. <laughs> well, and I should point out, Eli, I've been playing a lot of JRPGs lately, including yeah. I just came off the cusp. A couple months back, I finished Final Fantasy V, which has more grinding than you would believe. 
Um, you played on emulator or legit? Legit. Final Fantasy. I have them all on Game Boy Advance. I play all these portably now. I like even now. Like, East, I wanted to go back and play either the Wise games, like YS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 1 and 2 are on PSP for, like, 15 bucks, and 1 and 2 are on Steam for sale right now for, like, 3 And I'd rather pay the 15 because I know on my Vita I'm going to get through it quicker playing it at work for, like, an hour of lunch break over, like, 40 days. Yeah, versus, yeah. And I don't play an hour, but more like 40, out, 40 minutes or something out of my hour of lunch, you know? Versus... Playing, trying to find the time to play it at home, you know, when I've got all these other games asking me to play them. Yeah, but th- those 50 hours took me about about a month. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I started this game, I think I talked to you about it. I started this game probably right on the back end of Thanksgiving. Um, and I finished it, I started Tearaway maybe Christmas Eve. So, okay. yeah, it took me just under a month to beat it. And, uh, I did have to take some, my, my daughter always, uh, my wife works twice a week where I'll have my daughter for like an hour before she, my wife gets home, uh, once dinner's ready and stuff. And I've got like an hour to just kind of chill out. So after her bath and we'll just hang out and watch TV and she's always watching cartoons or something. And she's gotten to the point where she doesn't even care when dad whips out the DS. So she just lets me do my (laughs) thing. As long as I'm in the room with her, she's cool with that. Um, and by the way, Eli, I'm thinking of Gogo. Gogo's the, uh, mimic. Yeah. He's the one in the monster. I wanted him because Mimic is uh, one of the best uh, characters in Final Fantasy V. Yeah. I loved my Mimic, and I wanted to be able to have him. But, of course, I did not. Uh, but he's he's the one who's in the stomach of the giant monster. And, yeah, he's uh, the, yeah, he's the one that I actually, like I, I mentioned it before, but I figured that out on my own back when I was mm-hmm. 14, 15, 16. Which is awesome. Uh, yeah, and I felt so proud show. of myself. <laughs> you should be, man. I, uh, there were, yeah, we were talking about that on the original Final Fantasy show, so, um, but yeah, I guess we'll talk about the characters real quick. There are 14 main characters in the game, um, and it's funny, right, because right from the get, before we get into the plot, you think, you know, because every Final Fantasy kind of introduces you to a character, and while it fluctuates around a little bit, never so much as this. Um, this, every character, to a certain extent, I mean, depending on your need to play with them or want to play with them kind of have their their moment in the sun from time to time um but there is tara she kind of begins the game the uh, half human half esper girl uh who uh, definitely awakens early into the game and uh shows her stuff uh then there's of course Locke the thief everybody loves a thief oh, i'm sorry treasure hunter um <laughs> it's treasure hunter <laughs> yeah exactly uh there's edgar the King of Figaro, um, or as I like to call it, Moss Eisley. Uh, I'll talk about the Star Wars connections from time to time, but I promise not to geek out. <laughs> Good old Sabin. Uh, he is the martial arts guy. He is the uh, your tank, uh, but he is Edgar's brother. Uh, then there's uh, Cyan, the uh, the knight. Um, I always think of him as like, you remember in, uh, did you ever watch uh, Captain N, the Game Master? Back in the day, yeah. Yeah, remember the Simon Belmont that was a real pompous kind of douchey surfer guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always think of Cyan that way. Every time I read his stuff, it was always like, and he doesn't even act that way. You know, he's been through some shit, to be honest with you. Oh, but yeah. I always think of that when I see Cyan's picture, his little sprite picture. It's like, I am Simon or Cyan Garamond. No, I am a local not. knight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, there's good old Gao, the uh, the the the, the feral, wild child, the feral child. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, who's in the Velt, um, who actually, from the beginning, 
uh, became one of the craziest characters, one of the strongest characters if used appropriately. Uh, I think he's overcomplicated for his uses if you don't know any better, but he can be a very strong member of your team. Yeah, he um, Like I know like when I first got him, I happened yeah. to get one of the marshals, and the marshal rage attack, it would just kill everything in one hit. If right. free- yep. Did it, which kind of drove me nuts. I'm like, Dude, yeah, his ability to hit was a little weak. Uh, <laughs> no, but like, but he, he 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 did this one attack. I forgot what it was called, and it was like a whirlwind with the whole screen would fucking go nuts. Yep, and it would like little swirls appear over the enemies. And at the point when I got him, one hit everybody if he did that attack. Yes, and those squirrels are actually in five as well. They're they're in a very scary one hit cave. <laughs> <laughs> those squirrels, if they hit you, it's over. Um uh, <laughs> Then there's Setzer. Uh, Setzer I love because he is, uh, he's Han Solo. He is the shit and nobody can tell him otherwise. I also like that his, uh, that when you first find him, he's got the roulette as his weapon. <laughs> then there's Shadow, the ninja mercenary. I always wanted Shadow to be cooler than he is. However, after the world ends and, you know, uh, he, uh, he joins the returners or the, the rebels as I like to call them, um, He's definitely a, a great uh, ninja mercenary. Uh, I don't like that he's really unfaithful to your team, though. Well, but beginning. I guess he has at the to beginning. Be. He, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, once you save him, of course. He, <laughs> once yeah, you wait for him, at the beginning, him, I mean, he's he, all yours. he lays it out clear. He's like, "Look, I got no loyalty. Don't fucking nobody. touch my dog." And I love the whole. <laughs> oh, that's Shadow. He will cut his mother's throat for a dime or for a nickel. Whatever, whatever the hell the quote is. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, and then there's Realm, a Realm you didn't care for, uh, wasn't as a, very... Her, as a fighter, but her character steals my heart every time. Okay, she's really cool, um, you first meet her in Thamasa, and, uh, she's the artist, basically. Yeah. Um, and, uh, then there's Strago, the blue mage. Uh, I love blue mages because they kind of steal the best of everyone's world. Uh, <laughs> uh, death, if you ever can teach Strago Death 5... <laughs> Uh, a lot of your work is done for you. <laughs> so, uh, then there's Mog, the Moogle. Um, he's found in the mines of Narsh. I missed him. So, Eli, is there anything you'd like to talk about Mog as either, uh, not really a character, but as a fighter? Is there anything you wanted to mention? Because I don't really know yeah. how he fights. You get the Mogs a couple of times, but yeah. I, yeah, anyway. He kind of sucks. Mm. And I didn't fuck around doing my homework with the dances that he could learn. Uh-huh. But the few that I had, when I would use them, they were crappy. I mean, I leveled him up also. So, you know, he uses uh, spears. So, you know, he hit, like, above average. Like, he wasn't as weak as, you know, the the, the, the realm and her, her gramps. But I didn't like him too much. Gotcha. I liked him as a character also, but I didn't like him as a fighter. Yeah, well, and it's really interesting, too, because, uh, um, because uh, uh, you know, I mean, he, they come in early, right, and save your ass. Yeah. Um, but, uh, was there a first final fantasy? No, there was not. Uh, <laughs> Tiger Claw's talking about the final fantasy stuff. If you want to know why, as Tiger Claw was joking about, uh, why it's called final fantasy, check out the previous episode Eli and I did. Um, then there's Umaro, uh, the, uh, the Yeti, the, the, <laughs> I called him Harry. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Uh, um, and what about him? Cause I don't have him either. Dude, if you put the rage ring on him, he becomes a psychopath where he grabs one of the party members and throws it at the enemy. Oh, And at yeah. that point, when I got him, I was level 60. You know when you get a new character, they tend to be near the level of 
you know, where you leveled up. Yeah, they kind of merge into your group, yeah. So, like, when I got him, he was up there, like, 60, 60, 65. And when I put the Rage Ring on him, he does this attack where he will yep. grab one of the guys and throw him. And it will be, like, you know, 9999. Nice. So, it was a nice. pretty po- – I yeah, mean, sure, a... you, you know, when you put the Rage Ring on him, you can't control him. Right. He'll like, just he, do shit outside yeah, of the uh, and, yeah, he, ATB. Uh, yeah. He's pretty good. <laughs> Um, and last but not least is Gogo, the, uh, the mimicry. He's in the stomach. Uh, again, he's a mimic. What I like about him is he literally copies what the player before him did. <laughs> yep, even if it was so, one of those unique abilities that each character has. Exactly, which is why you want, uh, him, uh, you can, there's a lot of stuff, and again, <clears throat> it kind of leads into this, and we talked about this a little bit, Eli, in the Final Fantasy episode, but, <clears throat> excuse my cough, there's a lot of, uh, Focuses, and this is really starting to grow into its own, and a lot of you have probably played Final Fantasy VII over six, uh, but many of you have probably played both. Um, this is where the ability to move front row, back row, which is crucial in one of the early boss battles, is important. And also the the order in which the characters are lined up is important. Um, and definitely in the case of Gogo, you find some crazy move you've got, such as, you know, Umaro on Rage, and you put Gogo next to him, and you can really clean house. Well, my uh, thing was always back in the day. Even though this time around, I never found Ultima. Mm-hmm. I forgot, you know, and, and I didn't want to use a strategy guide. I kind of wanted to do it, you know, raw. Yeah. Even though I did use a walkthrough once, and I forgot what it was for, but I used it because I was like, "What the fuck? I need to do." But anyway. <laughs> yeah, I had to do it once or twice too. I got yeah, lost. Like, what I did back in the day was I would have you know um, Sabin use Bomb Rush, and then I have my mage use Ultima, and then Flare, mm-hmm. and you know have him copy. Either one of those three, <laughs> that's it. It was over. Nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and there are some crazy combos. Uh, we should point out also, um, before getting into this, because uh, we're at 42 minutes, so we'll probably we'll probably get, get an hour, Eli, to just touch on our favorite parts. I, I feel confident in the next 15 minutes we can get through the rest of this. Okay. Um, but uh, going into it, aside from the characters, I think we should just you know, dissect, you know, real quick kind of how this game works in terms of like the magic, the espers and the, and the, uh, the accessories. So basically aside from your usual equipment and much like uh, final fantasies pretty much started in four, um, your equipment is based off of <clears throat> the job and or role that your character has and, uh, what they can carry. Mm-hmm. So that's going to matter a lot. And certain abilities like thief, you know, or sorry, uh, treasure hunter's ability to take stuff from people and stuff um, becomes important. But to kind of break all those molds, you have a couple of things. First of all, magic doesn't exist. <laughs> I love that. So, yes, magic has gone away. Um, and so as a result, there are a couple of people who know how to do magic, right? Is it magis- Is it called magicite? Well, magicite is the, the little... Or that's the... Yeah, what, what the espers become once they uh, right. you know, die. Yes, and so, but some people, there are magicians in this game that do know how to use magic. Uh, I think of them as the Jedi, kind of, <laughs> so to speak. I'm sorry for the Star Wars yeah, references, yeah, yeah. but I promise <laughs> I'll keep them going. Uh, I will keep them going, but not going too deep into it. But uh, uh, definitely one of my best examples is, obviously, Tara. You use her a lot because she's half Esper. Um, but then once she's gone, there's a Magitek Knight, Celeste. Um, and these are the people who kind of are, are built-in magic users. But anyone can really use magic. This will go on to kind of become the materia system in Final Fantasy VII because there are espers. 
And espers are basically in, in almost, uh, in, in Final Fantasy V, it was how you unlock the job system. But you would collect, uh, I, I don't know what to call them, talismans, they were tokens, they were, they were some metallic item. And they allowed you to do a couple of different things. There was, uh, you know, like there's, there's a freet early on. You find her, uh, with, uh, within the, the Magitech, uh, factory. And, no, the, um, the, the funny thing is though, I didn't remember the whole thing. You know how you learn magic by equipping an Esper? Or yes. uh, I should say Magicite, because Espers is when they're alive. Anyway. Right. So, yeah, so you, the Magicite you, format. You equip, uh, and I didn't know that some of the mag, some of the Magis, Actually, you have bonuses if you have it equipped while you level up. I missed that. I totally mm-hmm. either don't remember that or I missed the first time around because it's not all of them. It's only a few of them that, oh, 30% magic if you level up. I'm like, holy right. crap. I didn't, I totally didn't notice that, dude. Yeah. And there are ways to min max that. Again, that requires a spreadsheet and more time than I wanted to. Not even more time. I really wanted a raw experience of this, which is why I went into it without these things. But if you really get into this game, there is a completionist version of this that'll take you, you know, probably more like 70 to 100 hours that you can really start doing some crazy shit. Um, and, uh, but yes, with the espers, you know, you basically can teach these spells to your, to your different fighters and make some pretty crazy combos. And yeah. uh, and you kind of almost have to for some of the later battles. Some of those battles are fucking ridiculous. Um, <laughs> those dragons, and, uh, they, man. Those dragons, those eight dragons. <sighs> we'll talk about them in a minute, <laughs> I'm sure. Motherfuckers, uh, man. I, and again, that's why I think I want to leave like the last 20 minutes for the the you know the near end <laughs> stuff because of all the bitching I'm going to do. But uh, <laughs> but not that I didn't have fun. Um, and uh, and and you definitely uh, you know I mean there is strength in being able to you know kind of get spells onto these characters early on and figure out what works best for them. Um, and then on top of the espers, which allow <laughs> which allow them to uh, to do stuff like that. Um, uh, sorry, uh, Fortingard was making the joke. Uh, yeah, it's called 3D World Runner. That was, uh, I believe, uh, Square's game right before they did Final Fantasy on the NES. So anyway, that was the joke. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, um, uh, then last but not least, you've got the accessories. Every character can carry two accessories. They're sold all across the world and they give perks. So you've got both magical perks and non-magical perks or magicite perks and non-magicite perks. Um, and again, with those, as you talked about, Eli, you can get some pretty crazy things. A pair of earrings on the right character You're can done. be very worthwhile. Or um, if you get a the rage ring on the right character, <laughs> what was the one that I loved? That I, this time I couldn't find. I, I found that the Genji glove with lets you equip weapons mm-hmm. on both hands. But there's another relic that I didn't get it this time around. The one that lets you hit four times. Oh yes. Uh, so if you equip both of those on Saban, it, it's called. and he has yes. the dragon claw and the tiger claw, dude. Oh yeah, it's like you feel bad for and the it's monsters. and it's intended that way. You know, when you see them <laughs> both together, you're like dragon claw, tiger claw. Yeah, okay, yes. And his fucking his his fucking hits are just ridiculous. And that's always been the joke though with the martial artist. You know, I don't know if you uh, remember the original too well, Eli, but uh, um, the original game that was the big trick was to get your black belt to be dealing 9,999 damage every hit, you know? <laughs> so anyway, 
All right. Well, here we go. Real quick, I'm going to clear my throat and try to get through this plot line. Eli, I'm sorry if you need to go to the bathroom or grab a drink real quick. This will probably take about five minutes. I'm going to burn through it as fast as possible. Those of you listening, I apologize if I move kind of fast. I'm going to try to be concise and articulate while also moving with forward pace to get through the plot of this. And really go! <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and per request by Fortingard, I'm going to read the opening intro that is uh, here from the Final Fantasy Wikia uh, in in, uh, in Arnold Schwarzenegger's voice, uh, or at least my, my best version of it. <laughs> Actually, I'm not going to be able to do it. I know I'm not going to be able to. Um, Just do the see. whole, do the chop up. <laughs> the ancient war of the Magi, when its flames at last receded, only the charred husk of a world remained. Even the power of, of magic was lost. In thousand years that followed, iron, gunpowder, and steam engines took the place of magic, and life slowly returned to the barren land. Okay, I'm breaking into, like, a dungeon master, but fuck it. <laughs> Yet now there stands one who will reawaken the magic of ages past and use its dread power as a means by which to conquer all the world. Could anyone truly be foolish enough to repeat that mistake? Okay, here we go. <clears throat> so, here's the background for it. Um, a thousand years ago, three gods known as the Warring Triad descended onto the world and warred for dominance. The conflict became known as the War of the Magi, during which the gods transformed humans and animals into creatures called espers, giving them immense magical power. Eventually, the gods realized the war was destroying the world and turned themselves to stone, their final wish being that the espers prevent their power from being abused. The espers took the gods' petrified remains, fashioned a new dimension where they could live peacefully away from humans and to hide away from the gods. Uh, tied away the gods, sorry. In the present, the world has experienced technological revolution, while magic has faded into legend. To the south, the Gelestian uh, Empire, led by Emler, uh, Emperor Gestal, discovered the entrance to the land of the Espers and kidnapped several creatures. The Empire found a way to drain the Espers of their magical energy and imbue humans and machines with its power. This technology is known as Magitech. Using Magitech to overpower the armies of the nations, the Gelestian Empire conquered the southern continent and began to push north with the ultimate aim of world conquest. Okay, so it opens with the, the mysterious woman. Two Imperial soldiers named Biggs and Wedge, Star Wars reference, uh -huh. and an unnamed woman <laughs> attack the neutral city of Narsh using Magitek armor. These are these large mechs. Due to the reports that Frozen Esper has been dug up in a mine shaft. Uh, in the rear, the newest mine, uh, they find the Frozen Esper, Valaga Manda, that sends out pulses of magical enemy energy, killing Biggs and Wedge and destroying the woman's Magitek armor. She awakens... To the home of a man named Arvis, who explains that she was being controlled by the Empire with a slave crown. Amnesiac, the woman, has no other knowledge other than that, uh, that her name is Terra. The Narsh guards arrive to arrest her, and Arvis seeks Terra through a back door of the mines. Terra is cornered by guards and falls down the shaft to a separate area of the mine. She falls unconscious, remembering a man named Kefka Palazzo, who placed the slave crown on her head and ordered her to burn 50 Imperial soldiers as a test of the enslaving device. A man named Locke, this is our thief, uh, treasure hunter, arrives to Arvis' house. <laughs> Arvis and Locke are members of the Returners, or the Rebels, a rebel faction dedicated to the opposing Empire. Another Star Wars reference. Although Narsh <laughs> remains neutral to avoid the conflict. Arvis asks Locke to get Terra to safely out of the city with the help of, uh, of Mog and the Moogles, who live in the mines. Locke fights off the Narsh guards and escapes with Terra. The two travel south to Figaro Castle, which is in the middle of a desert. 
Tatooine. Uh, Moss Eisley. <laughs> uh, a desert nation called the Empire where Terra meets the flirtatious King Edgar who attempts to hide Terra from the Imperial Ambassador Kefka. I don't think that's Obi-Wan Kenobi, but it might be. Kefka arrives looking at her, but Edgar feigns innocence. Locke tells Terra Edgar's alliance with the Empire is superficial. In truth, he is collaborating with the Returners, Rebels, um, and using Locke as the go-between. Kefka sets the castle aflame, and Terra, Edgar, and Locke flee on chocobos while the castle burrows into the sand. Kefka sends two Imperial soldiers in Magitek armor to attack the trio, during which, <coughs> excuse me, Terra casts magic, st- <coughs> stunning Edgar and Locke. Excuse me. <coughs> I love being sick. Um, Edgar and Locke ask her to meet the leader of the Returners, Bannon, uh, to remain safe from the Empire and gain understanding of her abilities. Uh, Bannon is Yoda. To remain safe from the Empire and gaining the understanding for her abilities. Terra agrees, and they go to South Cigaroa through Mount Colts, where they encounter Vargas, son of the martial arts master Duncan Harcourt. Edgar's twin brother and Duncan's pupil, Sabin intervenes and defeats Vargas, then joins uh, with his brother to help them stop the Empire. At the Returner hideout, Bannon, the Returners, and Terra discuss their plans to strike back against the Empire. Seriously? Uh, deducing <laughs> the Empire uh, is derived from the rediscovery of magic, Bannon asks Terra to return with him to Narsh to speak to the frozen Esper. The group receives the, uh, word that the Empire has attacked South Figaro and found their hideout. Locke volunteers to sneak to South Figaro. I should point out this is in a winter town. Uh, and slow the Empire while Bannon, Terra, and Edgar travel north. Um... And Sabin traveled to Narsh along the Leth River. The voyage is interrupted by a loud octopus named Ultros, the bane of my existence. And in the battle, Sabin <laughs> is washed off the raft to a different fork in the river. Uh, return to Narsh. Locke attempts to sneak out of Figaro and rescues the Imperial General to the traitor named Celeste, after which the two head to Narsh. Sabin washes ashore in the kingdom of Doma and, with the help of a ninja mercenary named Sado- Shadow, infiltrates the Imperial camp and the Empire track- attacks Doma Castle under General Leo Kristoff's com- uh, command. The Doma retainer, Cyan, dispatches the uh, Imperial command to stall the attack, and Kefka poisons the river, killing Cyan's family and nearly all of the castle inhabitants. Cyan joins Shadow and Sabin as they escape to uh, board the ghostly phantom train, which ferries to the, de- the dead to the other side. Cyan witnesses Doma, his dead, the Doma dead, and his wife and child among these boarding the train and depart to the afterlife. Shadow leaves as Sabin and Cyan leap down to Baron Falls to Mobliz and the nearby Velt to befriend the wild child named Gaw, who, stand, who shows them a diving helmet they used to swim to Nika, where they board the ferry to South Figaro. Terra, Bannon, and Edgar arrive in Narsh and rendezvous with Arvis. The four approach the mayor to urge him to help oppose the Empire, as the Esper found will draw their attention. The others arrive, and Celeste knows the Empire is already marching on Narsh. The Returners station themselves in the mountains to the Esper's rescuing place, as Kefka leads an Imperial attack to claim the creature. Dispersing dispersing of the uh, Imperial forces and chasing off Kefka, the Returners... Save the town and the Esper. They approach the Esper on the cliffs of the town, and it reacts to Terra's presence. A surge of energy in the Esper causes Terra to transform into a glowing pink monster, and she flies away with a scream. Magicite. Several of the Returners stay behind to protect Narsh, while the party members of the West find Terra. Using Figaro Castle to burrow under the mountains of Caligan, they continue south to Jador, then Zozo, the town of thieves. Atop the highest building in Zozo, the group finds a transformed Terra under, a care, under the care of an Esper named Ramu, who then tells the party about the War of the Magi and the, Emperor, and the Imperial invasion of their realm, and then calls Terra to him to put her to rest while the powers awaken. Ramu escapes with, uh, escaped the Empire with three comrades, but they fell during the escape. 
and turned to magicite. Ramu says the Emperor's methods are forcibly extracting magic from espers to result in a weaker form of the magic, but when an esper dies and crystallizes into magicite, their abilities are transferred in full. Though Terra cannot be helped and needs to accept her powers on her own, Ramu urges the party to rescue other espers in the Imperial capital and turns himself into magicite, entrusting them with his power and the power uh, of his friends to fight the Empire. Celeste leads the expedition and Locke accompanies her. As no boats go south of the southern continent, the group returns to Jador. They meet the impresario who is worried about Saitzer Gabani, the wandering gambler who will abduct Maria and star in the opera Maria and Draco. Setzer owns the only airship in, in the world, uh, the Blackjack, uh, Millennium Falcon. And since Celeste <laughs> bears an uncanny resemblance to Maria, Locke hatches a plan for Celeste to take Maria's place in the opera and employ to a- gain access to Seltzer's ship. Ultros overhears the plan, that damn octopus, and returns during the performance <laughs> to drop a weight on Celeste. Locke and the others try to stop him. The show is ruined, and in the commotion, Setzer abducts Celeste. Celeste helps Locke and the others sneak into the bo- aboard the Blackjack, and Celeste tricks Setzer into helping them with uh, while using a two-headed coin. I love, real quick, that not only <laughs> and there's a lot of great jokes in the uh, chat uh, i love that not only does he know about the two-headed coin like almost immediately but also that this scene is batshit crazy if you think about it by itself <laughs> um Setzer flies the group to Albrook, where they set off north to the Imperial capital of Vector. With the help of the Returner Sympathizer, they sneak into the Magitech research facility where Magitech weapons are manufactured. Witnessing Kafka tortured by two espers, Shiva and Ifrit, they overhear Kafka declare his intention to revive the Warring Triad. Shiva and Ifrit entrust the magic side to the group. They continue through the facility and release several espers being drained of their power. Their efforts are in vain as the espers are already too weak and they turn into Magicite. Sid, the star of the Final Fantasy series, arrives arrives and tells Celeste the rumors that she's acting as a spy for the Empire and that Kefka appears and tells them rumors are true. Locke begins to doubt her and Celeste transports herself and Kefka away to the facility to, as it begins to overload. Sid helps the party escape in a mine cart and they meet with Setzer to fly back to Zozo, destroying the two cranes Kefka used to destroy the Blackjack. Allying the Empire. Uh, allying. In Zozo, the Magicite remains from Vector is revealed to be Terra's father, Manduin, and he restores her memories. Terra tells the party she is half-human, half-Esper, born of a human named Madeline, when she entered the Esper realm and befriended Maduin. Uh, when the Empire attacked two years later, Terra was taken along with Maduin and raised as a Magitech experiment due to her natural magical powers. Now accepting who she is, Terra and the party return to Narsh to tell the others of their plan to attack the Empire using machinery of Figaro and resources of Narsh, but they lack manpower. They decide to open the gate to the land of the Espers and ask, as their, and ask their help. As a hybrid, Terra, living proof of the two races coexisting peacefully. At the gate of the Esper world, Kefka appears and Terra begins to call out the Espers. Her cries open the gate, and the espers rush out, destroying Vector as well as crashing the Blackjack. In Vector, Empire Gestalti tells the party that the espers' power has made him realize the error of his ways. He declares a truce and asks the Returners and Terra to help him locate the espers that fled the gate to make them understand that the war is over. Terra and Locke accompany General Leo to Crescent Island to track the espers. To assist in their efforts, Leo hires Shadow. And Celeste accompanies them while acting as an Imperial general again. When approached, she refuses to speak to Locke or Terra due to the earlier suspicion that her motives of her motives at the Magitex facility. At Crescent Island, Terra, Locke, and Shadow split from the Empire and find the backwater town of Thamasa where Strago and his granddaughter Realm, Eli's least favorite uh, fighter, tell him <laughs> that they have no knowledge of the Esper's magic. Realm gets trapped by a burning building, and the townspeople reveal her ability to use magic when saving her. Terra, Locke, and Strago enter the building to rescue Shadow, who has come to his rescue... <coughs> To rescue his dog, 
Interceptor, the best name for a dog ever, that followed them inside. Strago tells the group the Masa was founded uh, magic abilities, and as their deten- descendants, uh, sorry, imbued in humans after the war of the Magi, seeking normal lives without being persecuted for their abilities, and as their descendants, the townsfolk have some magical power. Strago agrees to help Terra and Locke locate the Espers, and though Realm wishes to help too, Strago refuses. Shadow leaves to find the Espers in his own, uh, on his own with the Interceptor. At the Esper Caves, a third run-in with Ultros prompts Realm to intervene and save the party with her ability to sketch living portraits of monsters, and Strago agrees to join them. That is known as summoning in every other game. The group finds the Espers led by Yura, now apologetic uh, about the destruction of Vector, and they lose control of their powers in passing through the gate between realms. In Thamasa, General Leo and Yura reach truce, but Kefka arrives and kills the Espers, takes their magicite, and knocks out the party, claiming he is acting under the Emperor's orders. When Leo tries to help him, Kefka kills him as well. Leo's dead. The gate of the Esper world flies open and several Espers race to attack Kefka. By the way, he's Vader, if you haven't noticed. But he effortlessly destroys them and takes their magicite before departing. Alerted to the treachery of the Empire, Setzer and the other returners, Sans Bannon, arrive at Thamasa in, in the Blackjack. Kefka and Gestal enter the gate to the Esper realm and find the remains of the Warring Triad and their powers raise the floating continent. The rise of Kefka. The returners board the floating continent, fighting back to the Imperial Air Force, as well as Ultros and his friend Mr. Typhon. They find the Shadow, who had kept working in the Empire, or they find Shadow, who had kept working for the Empire uh, until they attempted to kill him. After a badge- battle with the legendary Ultima weapon, haha, Shadow departs as the returners confront Kefka and Gestal before the warring triad. Celeste arrives as Gestal paralyzes the party, and he and Kefka urge Celeste to return to their side, kill their friends, so that the three of them can rule the world. Celeste refuses and stabs Kefka. Kefka attempts to awaken the triad Gestal, knowing that the world... Uh, that this would result in disaster. Oh, sorry. Kafka attempts to awaken the triad. Gestal, knowing this would result in disaster, tries to stop him and is struck down. Kafka kicks Gestal's weakened body off the floating continent and is doomed to his doom and moves the statues of the triad out of alignment. Celeste warns the triad's powers will go haywire and cause the apocalypse, but Kefka laughs it off. With Shadow's assistance, the party leaves in the blackjack, but the movement of the triad destabilizes their magical field and radically shifted the face of the planet. The blackjack is destroyed and the party are scattered throughout the world. A year passes during which Kefka raises the tower to ruins over a former location of Vector and drains the triad of power, becoming the god of magic. The new world is born from the destruction of the old as the dying world where many plants and animals are radically mutated and the magical fallout of the apocalypse. The cities have been destroyed and decimated by Kefka's light of judgment, a beam of energy he uses to strike down anyone who opposes his rule. And can I say for the record, god damn. Um, <laughs> Celeste awakens on a smile island with Sid who tells her that the state of the world Sid either lives or dies as Celeste cares for him in either person via a letter Sid shows Celeste a raft he has built uh, and tells her to relocate her friend Celeste returns to the mainland and in Zen finds Sabin confronts the others who survived as well the two Confident and the others, the others have survived as well. The two continue to Nikkei and find a man who resembles Edgar named Gerard or Gerard leading a band of thieves. They fall into the ship of Figaro to a cave leading to the buried Figaro castle. Edgar reveals he is at last Gerard to trick the thieves in helping him to Figaro since it is lost under the sand. The Colligan find the, the Colligan in Colligan, the three find Setzer and who shows them the tomb of his friend Daryl who owned an airship, the Falcon. Seriously? With the Falcon, the group travels the world, <laughs> discovering many lost secrets of the, war, uh, uh, of the War of the Magi, unearthed in the world's destruction. 
The Gathering. Wow, this is longer than I thought. In Mobliz, the group finds uh, Terra taking care of the village children after their parents are pushed into uh, are perished in the apocalypse. Though she does not wish to fight, she is forced to battle a monster, Humbaba, to protect the children, discovering her love for them. In the process, the group finds Cyan living in Mount Zozo, carrying on a long-distance romance with a young girl named Lolo, Lola, who believes him to be her dead boyfriend. Strago, believing Realm is dead, joined the cult of Kefka, while the Realm... Is a while Realm is a painter working in Jador for Auser. Shadow, knowing nothing but fighting in his life, battles the uh, battles in the Dragon's Neck Coliseum, where Eli apparently spent a long period of time. <laughs> We're almost done, kids. Locke, seeking a way to revive his dead lover Rachel, he has been doing this for a long time. Enters the Phoenix Cave to find the Magicite Esper. Of the Esper Phoenix. It revives Rachel briefly, but long enough for Locke to come to terms with his guilt for failing to save her. Mog and Gaw have returned from their homes in the Narsh Mines and onto the Velt. In the Narsh Mines, uh, the Yeti Yumuro can be recruited, and in the mine, Gogo will join the party inside the Zone Eater on Triangle Island. With their ranks reassembled, the returners attack Kefka's tower, knowing that if they destroy the Warring Triad, magic will vanish from the. That if they destroy. If they destroy the Warring Triad, magic will vanish from the world, leading to the, them to wonder what will happen to Terra. However, they find destroying the Triad does not lead to the disappearance of magic, as Kefka has taken the powers and become the god of magic. At the summit of the tower, Kefka tells the party moral, uh, mortal lives are without meaning or significance, as ultimately every everything people build is destroyed and nothing they do impacts the world. The party tells Kefka the day-to-day struggles and emotions give people the will to live in spite of all these hardships. Kefka turns the light of the judgment on the wor- world one final time before attacking the party upon confronting Kefka and his god of magic form in a golden starlight he exclaims that he'll destroy all dreams and hope before breaking down the to hysterical laughter Kefka <laughs> is killed <laughs> yeah, right? and a great laughter it is, it is. <laughs> Kefka is killed but with him the esper uh, the essence of magic vanishes the esper's magic site remain uh, remains dissolved but Manduin tells Terra she can endure as a human as long if she has strong emotional attachment to something in the world. With the last of her power, Terra leads the group to the tower aboard the Falcon and falls into the main deck, regaining consciousness to find herself alive due her, to her love for the children of Mobliz. The party flies around the world as the planet is restored and continues to, uh, and cities continue to rebuild in the aftermath of Kefka's defeat. Terra steps to the bow of the Falcon and releases her ponytail into the wind, finally free to live and enjoy her life as she sees Fit. And she says, I say Kefka, I'm flying, I Jack, I'm flying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, now, if you guys haven't noticed, as uh, Eli pointed out, it's not just Star Wars. There's a little never-ending story, Titanic, and definitely the plot lines of both Fallout and Mass Effect, hidden, <laughs> Mass Effect 2 hidden in there. So... Uh, that is a 42-hour plot wrapped up in, I don't know how long that you took have me, mail. probably you have roughly mail. 17 minutes. Sorry about that. Uh, no, those in the recording, you didn't get to hear it, Eli. Heard a You Got Mail thing. Um, the uh, chat in All Games fails me again. Whew. Okay. So did that make mostly sense? I know I was reading a little fast. It did. I got one okay. question for you. Sure. Why was Kefka so powerful before he got the magic? <laughs> That's a good point. And actually, I take it back. There's a lot of talk as to whether or not Kefka remains the uh, the emperor or not. Maybe Kefka's the emperor. Well, I to would me, say. Kefka, um, you know, w- w- when I think of Kefka, I think of one thing. 
Okay, and that is this. Okay, the whole uh, you know, some people just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> he's like, yeah. he's the Joker. To me, he's not Vader because Vader, he was evil, but he, it, it made sense a little bit. But Vader, Vader was consumed by evil, and in the end, breaks through it. Yeah, but this motherfucker. He was a psychopath. No, he yeah. just wanted to Yeah, if everything. anything, he's yeah. He's an absolute so- sociopath. Yeah. Um and uh, I don't know if you've I don't know if you are a big 9 inch nails fan, Eli, but uh, there's a song called Burn off of the Natural Born Killers soundtrack uh <laughs> that seems to kind of relate to Kefka's state. And it's kind of weird if you're not into Japanese culture cuz for those that, you know, haven't played this game, Kefka looks kind of like one of the comedic, like you had said, kind of the Joker characters. He totally or the was jester. the Joker. Like, to me, he was like the Joker in the you know modern comics where he's just like he wants everything to die and just crazy. You know, like yes. he's like a, a – what's it called in D&D? Pure evil? <laughs> uh, yeah. Or no, chaotic, yeah, chaotic evil. Chaotic evil. Yeah, that's his uh, – that what do they call it? His delineation or whatever. It's called, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> um. But, uh, um, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, uh, sorry, hold on. You can do that. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm looking for the name of these plays. I forgot what the ancient Japanese plays were called. Kabuki. He strikes me as the chaos character, or, or as Fortingard is saying, the magical joker of, uh, of classic Kabuki. And I mean, he looks like it. You know, what a very Japanese look for a character, uh, whereas everybody else kind of looks like they rolled out of an Abercrombie and Fitch ad. <laughs> um, and again, that's more true in Final Fantasy VII than VI, but still, um, you know, I mean, it, it, it really was. And, and technically speaking, this would be considered a very hardcore uh, null uh, play. Um, and not to get in, too much into Eastern culture, but it's kind of interesting, Eli, how um, what is seemingly to us viewed as a Star Wars reference is more of a way to translate an ancient concept, right? Everyone understands this. It's kind of almost like Journey to the West, um, uh, which is a very ancient Chinese play that was later made into a kabuki no, um, you know, with uh, love to modern sci-fi. <laughs> but uh, but anyway... Um, yeah, no, he was just fucking crazy. He just literally, like you said, wanted to watch the world burn. Yeah, like when he's um, when he kills um, uh, Emperor Gestalt, um, he was getting yes. hit too by the lightning. He summoned this lightning, and he was putting his own life at risk. Well, and that's why him. I wanted to call him Vader, <laughs> like, right? Because he does exactly what Vader does in Jedi, you know. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but Vader does what he does in Jedi to save his son. Yeah. Kefka's doing it to be fucking crazy and to take it over so that he can have complete control over the destruction of the world, right? Yeah, but I, I, I didn't notice it for, again when I was a kid. But now as a grown man, wow, this motherfucker, he's having lightning attack him and him. And he's hoping that the that he gets hit worse than he gets hit. So he dies and I don't. So he's like, whatever, lightning come, right? And, uh, decimate this little area and one of us is going to die. And that's insane. Well, it's, it's kind of like the fear of uh, the person who doesn't fear death, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, Fortingard said, uh, like the Joker in Dark Knight Returns, probably the best example of what I think of when I think of a metaphor for Kefka's character. And obviously this is a retroactive um, – <laughs> Opti's like, I have no idea what they're talking about. We're talking about Final Fantasy VI and the plot. Sorry, Opti. Um, 
But uh, in it, I mean, seriously, like Kefka stands true as a, a retroactive character that personifies um, that that scene where Joker has all that money they made with the seven it. different <laughs> yeah. clans of Gotham and burns it because money means nothing to to him. That's not the point, guys. The point isn't to be powerful. Yeah. The point isn't to be strong or rich. The point is just to fuck everything up. I want to be the giant wrench in the cogs. Yeah. He's, um, like I say, he's yes. a crazy person. You know, it's like, he's like, <laughs> yes. I, I want to blow the world up. I want everything to die. Um, and, and quite a crazy character. Uh, the other one that I wanted to talk about, I mentioned it slightly. And again, I wanted to get into this because this is kind of story based versus gameplay based, which is where I think we're going to lean to, uh, from this point forward. Yeah. Um, was after the end of the world. And I kind of dance around it, you know, during the rise of Kefka area, but you know, that's, that's where the world ends. And, you know, I kind of talk about post apocalyptic in that uh, summation. Um, but, uh, who is it that in mind she killed herself? She couldn't handle. Here we go. Celeste. She's the one to try to kill herself, right? Celeste, yeah. Well, it depends. She, or Celeste, yeah. She tries to kill herself. I did not know, and it broke my heart this time around, that you could save Sid if you fed him the fast fish. Oh, I didn't know that either. No, he dies in mine. He died in mine, too. And I didn't know if you caught the fish that moves fast, he lives. And then he'll, I did, and yeah, he'll I tell you, that. oh, there's a raft. There you... Dude, it broke my heart when he died and she tried to kill herself. I'm like, <gasps> yeah. I'm like, yeah, and that's some heavy shit for a Super Nintendo game from 94. And that is in the American version. Yeah, because, again, I'm playing the straight up ROM from the, you know, right. Final Fantasy 3. Yeah. I mean, yeah, 3, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. And, it, it, dude, I could not believe that, that she tried to kill herself and the way it was shot and they're playing her music. And you see the little, oh, yeah. And, the little tears, like, sparkling oh. as she falls. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? And it's me? extremely cinematic. It's like, uh, Eli, you know, and I, I hate to really delve into this, but I think it's, it's very important and I think it should be noted. Uh, I'm probably gonna, if you guys listen to the B team or you hear my game of the year discussion, I get in a lot of shit for attacking games for not really having strong plot lines. You know what I yeah. mean? Like a lot, and, and again, to give perfect examples, and again, we will not delve into each person's personal feelings on this because I kind of know yours from listening to your show. Um, the Last of Us, heavily praised. Gone Home, heavily praised. Uh, maybe, and not beyond Two Souls, but there, there are other games this year. Oh, Bioshock Infinite. All three of those games, heavily praised on their story. And I kind of shit on that concept of the story. I like the way the story unfolds. The journey is very cool. Yeah. But to me, all of those stories, even if you've only played one of these, and I know for a fact you played The Last of Us. Yeah. They they are derivative of stories we've already heard. How many times have you heard? Uh, have you beaten Bioshock Infinite? Yes, sir. Okay, cool concept. But seriously, we've we've gone. You know, quantum mechanics has been dealt with yeah. in other stories. In fact, it's pretty par for the course in a lot of classic sci-fi from like the seventies, eighties, and nineties. Um, same goes for kind of what happens in The Last of Us. You know what I mean? I, like the, I, I mean, the overall. The, I mean, sure, the story in The Last of Us is you know, you know, get girl to a certain place and survive. You know, whatever. Well, even evil. the ending. But even the ending, like it was predictable, but yeah. it's how they went about telling that tale. I mean, that really is yeah. its strength, not the tale itself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like you know, the little you know to get on those quick side tangent, but like the whole thing where you see Joel during certain. Wait, cut hold scenes. on, real quick. Are there spoilers in this? No. It's like okay. there are certain scenes where you know 
shit's going on. They're talking, and you just see Joel quickly glance down at his watch. Dude, I get a chill because mm-hmm. you know th- yes. that was from his little girl, and you know it's little shit like yes. that. You know, it's the little nuanced things that are awesome. Which again, to lead back to Final Fantasy, like for example, as stupid as it sounds, the little tears when Celis mm-hmm. tries to kill herself, and you see the little tears just oh yeah, the, you know little tiny little effect. Dude, if they remade this game over, I would just I, I would be in heaven. Oh, with like an HD or something, they they could. Yeah, like, it, it would be fantastic. It, it, Remember, that's what we thought Final Fantasy VII was going to be when they first premiered it because they showed all the team members from Final Fantasy VI when they showed the initial uh, N64 uh, you know, version when they thought the Nintendo 64 was going to be a CD-ROM co- console, which was the original talks with Square. Um, also, I should point out, Fortingard is saying the Dark Knight Returns comic actually predates Final Fantasy VI, which is most people probably... No, Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight Returns is based off of the Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns comic book series from the mid-80s. Late 80s, rather. Um, but yeah, and so, like you were saying, Eli, um, that is completely true. And 16-bit was the first generation where things like those tiers could be done effectively. I don't think before this, in the Nintendo era, you could really do it unless you had, like, you know, kind of like an out-of-place, kind of blown-up, kind of bit image. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, like, I mean, to, to try to get a little, you know... Like, all the little story beats in this game are fantastic. Like, mm-hmm. you know, to go back early into the game, the whole ghost train and th- and that resolution. Yeah. And what it is. Well, yeah, and what it is. Once you figure out what it is and why he can't follow his family it, when he finally gets reaccompanied to them and what you figure out from that. You know, I know it sounds stupid. It's probably easy to look back on. Yeah. But at the time I was playing, I didn't get the ghost train thing until I'm like, why didn't he follow them? And then, like, it comes to me. You know what I mean? Like, what you mean exactly? I mean, well, the, wait, the way I no, no, Fred. What the fuck? Wait, hold on. Yeah. Sorry, Fortingard. Just let me know. I know you're on a delay. Just let me know in the chat. What did I say that was wrong? But anyway, sorry. What, what were you saying? No, I'm saying like he didn't go because they were dead, and that was like the, the the way I got it was the name for the. I mean, the train was kind of like the whole ferryman taking the, the dead people to where they got to go. That's kind of what I got from the the spirit train. Okay, and actually, this is what he was calling me out off was uh, my my lack of knowledge. Uh, he was referring to the Dark Knight as in Batman was around beforehand, and I guess uh, Dark Knight Returns is not based off of any... or the Dark Knight is not based off of anything. Well, true, but I heard very many times that the Killing Joke and, and that various series right around that time was part of it. But anyway, enough about Batman. Um, again, I think my biggest point with this, uh, Eli, is that uh, this is a hybrid of both. Whereas, you know, again, The Last of Us, it's it's the way they tell the story and the journey you go through. But if I showed you the first scene and the last scene or just told you in yeah. a paragraph or something what that plot is, and I could sum it up in a plot, honestly speaking, it's nothing really unique. This is unique. And uh, to a certain extent, there is there's some borrowed stuff, but a lot of that stuff, just a lot of the plot points are not from pop culture. They are not from Star Wars. They are not stuff. And it's not only what happens and the concept of it all, but also um, just the fact that they have more seemingly more of a grasp on their theme. Yeah. You know, like I think better so than even today's filmmakers or video game makers or even storytellers. And they just present it in such great ways, right? And this is the first time where it's very cinematic. Like said, it's, it's, Both it's in what you see and what you hear. It's in the game, dude. Like, I, I yeah. agree, dude. Like, I would love to see this game, like, if they, like, you know, spend 12 years remaking it for, like, modern consoles where, like, you know, 
uh, Last of Us quality voice acting. Oh, dude, I would. Th- I think I would kill myself because I'd be so depressed. <laughs> like, I mean, like, but it's just the little things. Like, for example, like I wrote in my notes, Figaro moving castle, bitch. That who, I would have never thought about a castle <laughs> yeah. that sinks into the ground and just travels. Yes, I'm sure. It might be somewhere that I, I've never, you know, seen that myself. Besides Howl's Moving Castle, but I thought that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and and again, let me point out while it is while I made the connection to Moss Eisley and Tatooine, yeah. Moss Eisley definitely does not bury itself into the desert. <laughs> uh, that was a unique thought. You know what I mean? And yes, you're right. When they lit that castle on fire and I saw it bury, that was counter to everything I knew from Final Fantasy to that point. That castle was supposed to burn yeah, <laughs> and it didn't were, like the fact that edgar was so cool like we got this i'm good and you're like wait how how is this good you, you're done you know like so, mm-hmm. you know, again I, I have forgotten the smaller beats in this game the big beats i remember but the smaller beats i totally forgot and i'm like oh shit really this and this they're so dies? nuanced and great yes exactly and i do think that is great and the whole, the um, whole you know speaking of figure of the whole revealing the revealing of, of the story between sabin and edgar and why Saban mm-hmm. left? Well, he tells him, "I left because I knew you'd be a better king, dude." I, I, right now, my yes. hairs are standing up. You know? Yeah. No, that it, was it, that it, was it, great. It, it and, and the fact uh, that we get know, to watch it unravel. What was that? I'm sorry. Sorry, and the fact of how we get to watch it unravel, right? Yeah. Because this game does a really good job of doing kind of cutscenes, but that you have somewhat control over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, like the the whole coin toss thing, and then he's like, "Oh, I left. You oh, know, yeah. I knew you'd be a better king." I think, uh, you know, he goes, "I have shit to deal with." You know, it, it, it's mm-hmm. like little, it's little yeah. shit. mind you, the way it's written is kind of simplistic. You know, the dialogue itself is pretty. But it was kind of forced into it again. Mine was a little more complex, Eli. So I wonder <laughs> if uh, now, mind you, is four times the length of my my translation was four times the length of yours, though. You know what, dude? So. I would love to check that out at least one, maybe a transcript, which would be easier just to read it. You know, things mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to play the game all over. Again. I'll, I'll anyway. send you a I'll send you a link to it, and then if you're ever interested and you have a DS or a Game Boy Advance, I can send you okay. the cart. But. Um, but uh, but yeah, I can definitely. Uh, I know there's a transcript out there, so I can get it for you. Yeah, but I mean that was really good. It's actually a transcript of the original Japanese script Ooh, from '93. That's fantastic, yeah. dude. Yeah, I mean, I'll get it. For but you. like I said, I mean that whole thing with Sabin and his brother, I thought that was so fantastic. I like I said when I read the all, oh, you know, I did it because I knew he'd be a better king. There's no hard feelings here. I left because I had to do what I had to do. You know, like right because you wonder what that's gonna be when they first meet up. You know, he's like, oh, he he went to start training. You know, to take his training more serious. That's what happened, right? Say, yeah, Saban because left, he goes to the artist. he goes to the mountain to become this great martial artist, right? He's on that he's on that uh, path of of learning all that stuff from their instructor, and see Edgar feels that he abandoned the kingdom yeah. when there were, it came time to decide. Who was going to be the heir? And I forget. Sorry, I'm I'm a little weak on it right now. Off the top of my head, was Saban supposed to be the heir, or was it always going to be Edgar? Aren't they like? I mean, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't they twins? They are, but I I can't remember if they made some joke about. And again, that might be a localized joke about like one seconds ahead of the other oh, yeah, or something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't recall because again, dude, I mean, not not, not yeah. that you mentioned that, that I I'm missing. Two thirds. I mean, uh, t- t- three fourths of the freaking dialogue. It kind of upsets me, dude. But um... yeah, well, <laughs> and like I said, but I think I think the point was is that the town and the kingdom of Figaro would post them 
against each other to try to figure out who is the best ruler. And no matter who it was, right, the concept I took from yeah. it, it's never directly spoken. The concept would be no matter who it was, the Saban backers, if Edgar took over, would always want Saban to rule yeah. and would always want to push him. And Saban did not want to rule and didn't think he would be a strong ruler. So instead, he goes off to kind of hermit stuff. And again, in Japan, in Japanese culture, this makes a lot of sense. It's not abandonment as much as it is um, kind of like kind of a doing himself. <laughs> you know, path of lights. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, it, uh, it, it just shows like this, uh, this vast amount of love between these two brothers. That little dialogue. Yes. And it just little shit like yes. that, man. It's oh, it fantastic. Dude. Or just simple stuff. There were all these shortcuts they could take that makes for a good, simple-to-grab storyline, you know? Um, such as, like, uh, it was convenient for Locke to fall in love with Tara. But that's not what happens. We get that whole side story with his beloved Rachel, you dude, know? That, and he spends the whole time dedicated to bringing her back. That kicked me in the nuts. Because again, oh, when she I, comes back, when she comes back for like a minute, terms with that? and just to tell him, listen, oh. dude, I love you. I will ever love you. Live your life. And I'm like, oh my god, dude. Oh, there's so many moments like that, and uh, they're not so many, but there's, yeah, there's when enough. They hit, and this powerful. stupid 16-bit game, all for kids. Know. You know what I'm saying? I know. And, yeah. You know that beat with the uh, when Phoenix. You know when he he finds the the, the Phoenix. Uh, uh, what's it called? Not Esper. The shit, Magicite. And he uses the it Phoenix to bring Magicite, her back. Yeah. And she just comes back to tell him, dude, let me go. Live your life. I'm done. Come on, dude. Come yes, the I'm... fuck on. That is too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, th that's yeah, why yeah. I love it. I mean, I, I, I have forgotten the specific reasons why I've always held this game in such high regard. And now I, I'm glad that we did this. And we, and now mm -hmm. I know exactly why it's shit like this. Like, again, you know, to go, you know, to try to go into a little order – the next big thing to me was the one that I knew was good, but I wondered if it actually held up, and that was the opera. Oh, yes. Okay, well, real quick, before we delve into the opera, because there were a couple things I wanted to discuss from a gameplay standpoint, I should point out, that's the other thing that's kind of cool about this, right? Because for the first time, Eli, you know, there's a lot of kind of like openness, <coughs> and there is some openness to Final Fantasy VI, especially once you get... Well, the ruin is um, completely open. Well, yeah, there is that. But even, like, when you get your first airship and things like that, yeah. the world kind of opens up. Um, but it's still somewhat controlled. I never felt like I was wandering around aimlessly too long in Final Fantasy VI. Um, but maybe it was because I was more intently paying attention to the dialogue. And, you know, like, usually I'm sometimes skipping through dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I didn't find myself doing that at all in mm -hmm. this. Um, nope. But I love when... You split off. Like, for example, in a scenario where everyone gets split up in the very beginning, and this happens a couple of times oh, where you are – what? When you're, like, on the river and it's three yes. separate parties. And you get to, yeah, and you get to pick the thing. I thought I was going to block off that, that – uh, um, I thought I was going to block off those other scenarios by picking one. And then I come to find out, oh, no. Me too. Wait, I get to play Me, them all. Me That's too. Oh yeah, the completion like, is What's in going me on was... here? Fuck! Are you kidding? You know, not do this. So yeah. you're not alone, dude. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, um, and I picked Sabin first. Of I did course, the, the spirit train first. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I I loved Sabin, but uh, but yeah, it's it when you do those three scenarios and stuff like that, it's interesting because it gives you the openingness without kind of giving you so much freedom. That you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, or you're just overwhelmed. And it kept me on focus, and that helped. So real quick, before we go into the opera, which is probably the next part I wanted to talk about, 
Um, I definitely want to discuss real quick two boss battles. Okay. Uh, the first one being Ultros. Okay. That's the one when you now, when you fall down the the river. Yeah. Okay. And he's the lazy octopus, but uh, remember if What's-His-Face dies, um, Tazo or whatever, or Tola, the old dude. Okay, the one you're like If Yoda dies. Right? <laughs> you're what? such an ass. The one that you're yeah. uh, escorting, if, right? Yes. If Yoda dies, you die. And remember, the uh, <laughs> everything else can be fixed with Ultros because if somebody else falls, you just Phoenix down them and you're good to go. But if he dies, is well, it? Right, and if he's in the front row, he automatically dies. Uh, any hit Ultros can give him because you cannot level him. And I had major problems with this. This is the first time I had to look up to put him in the back row, and that's when I was like, oh, shit, front row, back row is going to matter in this game. And it does. There are puzzle bosses. Well, that I remembered. That I, <laughs> that I totally remembered. Well, uh, so, yeah, that's oh. one part if it's if it's really kicking your ass because Ultros is a breeze if he's if uh, if that guy's in the back row. <laughs> Some fighting um, twos and that's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, and he's easy to kill anyway, but he inevitably goes after that guy for one attack. And if he's in the back row, he lives the attack. And if he's in well, the front row, this he point, dies. You, you should have that call total guard. The one you pick one character to like, he kind of takes all the hits. Yeah. If they're yes, if, if you're they're right, you're health right. or something. But I, I mean. But I don't think it saved him <laughs> for sucks. some reason. The first fight that because I have to it, it kills because it takes him from full health to nothing immediately. Ultros does one of those hits that like you know he's got two hundred hit points and it does like four hundred fifty or something oh. or four hundred fifty hit points and it does a thousand like it's one of those kind of hits. Um, in fact, to be honest with you, on that raft ride, you can have them all in the back row and it doesn't really fucking matter because <laughs> you're just using magic on them or at least I was. Uh, the next one was the Battle of Kefka. That's the first time where you really have to learn kind of almost how to... It feels like tower defense before tower defense. Wait, which is this one? That's when Kefka's guards are attacking you and they all take different paths. Oh, dude. And I, you have that, to protect. I was so overleveled on character and went to all the guards and just killed them all. Like, Oh, it was easy to kill them. Actually, I didn't have much problems, especially if you know the right combinations of characters. Yeah. It was that they would get to him because I didn't you know, place my characters in the right place to catch all the guards. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I said that's why it was early tower defense. If you knew the right roads to just post them up at, you just fought anything that came your way. Um, <laughs> but it was interesting. So let's go to the opera house. Easily one of the most talked about scenes in this game. And uh, I will say that uh, I do have the music from the opera house, the uh, singing part. Which is very impressive. Uh, showing off the synth of the yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, yeah, talk about the opera. I mean, like I said, I remembered it being impressive as a child, which I was. And I've always, you know, spoke to people, oh, Final Fantasy three slash the opera, wow, it was amazing. But, dude, that was 20 years ago. And I'm like, is it really amazing? Is it? Is it <laughs> really amazing? And when I got to it, dude, I thought it was. I, I it, it really, I love the lyrics. All my heroes are far away now. And I still remember. 
you know, yep. the first opening lyric. And um, I thought it was fantastic. And you know what's the funny part, dude? I didn't even need to study the lyrics. I knew them. 20 years, man. <laughs> 20 effing years. Well, that stuff will stick with you if it's significant. It like, it especially because of the age you were at when you first played Oh, yeah, it. dude. It's totally, you know, I, I, I only know three phone numbers. Myself, my <laughs> wife, and work. That's it. And yeah, I knew this shit from 20 years ago. But I, I yep. thought it looked, well, first and foremost, to just get that out, this game is dropped in gorgeous. But you know. Yes, it's one of the pinnacle 16 bit yeah, with his game. You know, with his, the only one that does better is Chrono Trigger, and that's just because it came later. Chrono Trigger, yeah, that was definitely pretty, fantastic. but this game. But it's the same team, so it doesn't matter. Oh, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it held up so well. Fantastic. The whole thing, you know, even the funny part where you guys are really fighting, but the audience thinks you're still part of the show. And it, you know, all the little stupid little uh, little beat was pretty freaking cool. Yeah. You know, and I, I, yeah, loved and it. I loved it. It was it was pretty crazy. And I've been told that I'm supposed to fear that Ultros fight. And that was such an easy fight for me. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think I was over leveled, like you said. Like, I was pretty over leveled. Like, anytime I was reading when I would get stuck, like, I got stuck. We'll talk about it in a second. The Magitech Research Facility. I lost my way for a minute there. <laughs> and uh, it's cool, though, because I found all those really fucking cool items. Uh, there's a lot of hidden items in that facility. Um and uh, and I looked up the walkthrough and it said something like, you're supposed to be on, as long as you're like level 21, you're good. And all my guys were like level 30 or something. Yeah, like, like, it's Ooh. funny. Like, and level 21 to 30 in a Final Fantasy game is a significant amount of leveling. Like you said, when you got to the end, most of your guys were in their 70s. Most of my guys were in their late 60s. Yeah, like it's funny. Uh, I read <laughs> that to beat Kafka, you know, final boss Kafka, uh-huh. you're supposed to be 50 and it I'm like, oh, wait, wait damn. <laughs> oh, sorry, you cut out for a sec. What did oh, you no, say? This, this, to be, uh, you're supposed to be level fifth. You know, like that. Uh-oh. Hello? Yeah, one sec. But, yeah, um, sorry about that. Uh, but, uh, and Tiger Claw's asking about how long was the opera. Um, <laughs> if he's talking about the actual opera, I mean, I'm sure it was supposed to go on for about an hour before Ultros fucked it up, but, uh. <laughs> it's roughly what three four minutes <laughs> something like that yeah but uh but anyway um <clears throat> yeah yeah i've uh, you were saying that uh that yeah they say you're supposed to get to kefka with at least level 50 everybody and what did you say you were <laughs> it's like like my uppers in the middle 70s <laughs> yeah, there you go yeah but he was no, still hard yeah and he was hard in the 60s as well uh i i did I did cheat a little bit. I uh, <laughs> I, uh, I died on him, and I, I went. I, I learned some of his weaknesses. So, oh, okay. But uh, but again, well, that doesn't mean you know. There's like all games from that era. There's knowing how to beat him, and there's actually beating him. <laughs> yeah, because like one thing about my fight with Kefka, you know, was you know when you got to pick your party, the order. Mm-hmm. I re- I I remember, remember wrong. I thought it was you had a party. You fight, you know, it's three sections to Kefka. I thought you fight the first one, you get to the second one, next people will show up, and then your next, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I didn't know fell will get replaced. Because if that was the case, I would have put my, my strongest people at the get-go, and I would have wiped the floor with him. So basically, I had my best at the end. Right. And I that and basically, but I'll tell you one thing, I found something out. If you'd have one, which, again, Worst people in the beginning. <laughs> if you have realm, but 
or Kefka Prime, um, and you use the, the, the painting, she paints him, does Ultima on him. Oh, really? Yep. And now I'm like, oh, way to go around my pap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I didn't do that either. Um, but, uh, sorry, we're still getting some breakdown. And I, again, I'm sorry, I don't know who's responsible. I don't think anyone's responsible. Skype's probably responsible, so we'll blame Skype. But Yeah. All the people calling right now, their families and stuff. <laughs> oh, God, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, plus... Uh, All the yeah, Skype anyway. families. Hey, look, I'm getting drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Still drunk. Uh, and there's some debate over me saying it was an hour-long opera. I was basically saying that uh, the reason the opera was about an hour... I was guessing they were about an hour in when Ultros fucks with it is what I was thinking. <laughs> but they might have been on Act 2, in which case they probably would have been more like an hour and a half in or maybe even two. But... Uh, Anyway, um, so the next part I definitely want to talk about was the Magitech facility. So did you have much problems with this, or did you know nah, it pretty well? know it, but I, again, I was so over-leveled that any time I'm like, be gone, be gone, be gone. Well, I was able to grind through it, which it actually helps me level even more. Um, but of course, uh, I think my guys were 25 when I finally found Ifrit. And I remember that because when you're running out of there, those uh, bots can do level 5 death. And I kept dying because they were all 25, so I had to sit in a dungeon and grind to level 26 for everybody. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny. Um, but uh, but then I could I could live the level 5 death. Which I was actually familiar with because it's in Final Fantasy V. Um, but for those yeah. that don't know, um, yeah, uh, uh, Final Fantasy uh or level five level death kills anyone five. who's a multiple by five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a mean fucking spell and a great spell to have because every now and again you would just cast level five death and see who died. And sometimes some very big creatures would uh, would die. <laughs> That's why I like uh, egg zone. Uh huh. That spell, dude, man, that spell is good. There are just those spells that put a smile across your face. The other thing was. The summons didn't. I guess the summons were long in this, weren't they? I, I didn't, didn't even use, use them as I much. Barely use them in this game. Yeah, because uh, for for those that have played the Final Fantasy series, or even if you haven't, Final Fantasy V's I, summons take a long time. If Frit and and a lot of these guys who are your espers in this, um, or your Magitech, they are they are summons in Final Fantasy V. <laughs> they have long animations. They're like 30-second animations. And this one, get... they just come up, and they're like, they're like <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> yes, they exactly. They come in, fart, and leave. And in seven, oh, oh Eli, oh, you played Knights Final Fantasy VII, right? <laughs> Knights of yeah, the Round. Knights dude. of the Round. You cast that and go make a fucking sandwich every time, and there's no You could go make it. a meal. <laughs> <laughs> it's so long, Especially but you have to use it. The, the, yeah. the Sephiroth fight? <laughs> no, for me. Because, um, you know, I talk shit about but I beat the fuck out of that game. I yeah. beat Ruby and Emerald, and uh -huh. I beat them using the mime and the round. So imagine next to the round, then mime in it. Next to the round, mime, 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 and it's like took 12 years. Right. But, man, to, to get back to the final, quick, because you know, we're kind of running out of time here. Sure. I will say one thing. This game is not a game. It's a time machine. It took me back to, like, you know, 94, 95 when I played this game. For better or worse, dude. Yeah. It really, really did. My memories, dude, it took me back. You know, I'm really, really good. And I, I will say one thing. For us, uh, this year is a top three games of the year for 2013. <laughs> Excellent. You know, I was thinking about that because uh, we have a thing on the B team that's like uh, 
a game that you played in uh, in 2013 that wasn't from 2013 that was your best game of the year. And uh, I can see that being on my list. I might actually even mention it, um, especially because I didn't uh, – I, I haven't played it in a decade. And it was excellent to go back to. Yeah, like, you know, me – to me, the whole game of the year list is whatever I play that year, regardless. I don't care. You know, it has to be game of the year in that, in that year, and this game is up there. It really, really is. And mm-hmm. and it's not just it's, it's, I went into it scared because of the nostalgia. Cause right. And what's this going to do to this yeah, beloved game? Exactly. And nostalgia, I'm not one of those people that put blinders on when they, you know, like, for example, people in certain movies, they're like, oh, it's the best movie ever, but it's 100% nostalgia. And they mm-hmm. won't let go of that. With me, I can't do that, unfortunately. You know what I'm saying? I understand. So, and it held up. I, I will give this game like a 9 out of 10. Oh, yeah. 0. 0.5 like out of 10. Still now. 10. Yeah. You know, if it came out right now, I will give it a 9 out of 10. Easily. Uh, and I think it would actually be able to do well because of the indie scene. But yeah, even if this came out in the heart of the strongest of the 360 scene where indie games would never have yeah. lasted, I still think it holds up. Um, I feel like the music and the ending of the game was fantastic. The whole ending sequence, with, when you see the book, the animated mm-hmm. book, and all, that shit was fantastic. And then I didn't realize the shadow left it go, which I assume he let it go to Realm. Because, you know, Realm and, and Interceptor had a connection. Yeah. So the fact, dude, I did not remember that at one bit. When he let his dog, you know, I, I'm a big old softie when it comes to dogs. Mm-hmm. And when he let his dog go, which I, again I assume he let it go go to realm, dude, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you yeah, know, it's pretty awesome. It, I was like, dude, ah, oh, dude, this, this little shit like this that I I missed growing up. And oh it, yeah, and that was fantastic. Dude. And it's one of those things where like you hear stories like this and then you play through it yourself. And I've had this happen with a lot of games where you're like, well, that is what happened, but you took something so much bigger from it than I did. I feel like a lot of people, even without the nostalgia factor, and you guys tell me, listeners, like, tell me if you felt this, if you did play through it. I'm curious to hear what Jam said. Jam, who who plays a lot, uh, he's been playing along with our game club, but he had to have surgery in the middle of our game club. And he's on the mend, so hope you're feeling better, buddy. He did a beautiful Christmas card to us that's uh, in the... Uh, uh, in in the uh, I believe the Mega Man episode I posted it, but it's right around the, one of the Christmas podcasts on Gaming History 101. I have his video that's his Christmas card, and that's uh, cool. yeah, and he said he's about 15 hours from completing it. That was um, awesome. That's yeah, and so first I'm, time or I don't replaying? know. Knowing oh, him, dude, I would is, bet it's not yeah. his first time. I would if bet it, not. I would love, and you know, I know you have a lot of fans of your shows who are into this. I would love to talk to somebody. Me too. Ooh, I def- would. For the first time playing this. Yeah, if this was your first time through, definitely I let us know and definitely let us know your thoughts. As larger or, or small as, as they are and as as important or not important as you think they are, we would love yeah, to hear it. I would love to hear it. Like, one, one more thing I want to say is, like, pertaining to the dogs. Again, I'm, I, I've become the crazy dog person at work, and you know what? I wear that title proudly. But uh-huh. um, when you first get to Miranda, when you first get the airship, yeah. And you go to the, the the town center, and they're fighting dogs. Yes. That shit pissed me the well, fuck. Well, you can dude, tell Ash, them not to. You can't stop them, but you can you can tell them not to. Dude, like, I walked in the middle of the dogs to stop them, to see that would do anything. 
but it wouldn't. Because, you know, if you wait for the dogs, they're attacking, and you stand right in the middle, they kind of stand on either side of you and can't attack each other. But that mm-hmm. part pissed me off. I actually put the controller down. I'm like, these motherfuckers, man, they're fighting dogs. I was, I wanted to kill these people. Well, and dude. again, I'm- when do you ever see that in a game, though? That's pretty impressive that it's there, even if it's a negative thing. Yeah, it was there, and it pissed me off. And again, it's another part of the game that it affected me. You know, I'm like, damn, you know, that's fucked up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, and actually, we've got a little bit more time. If you've got a little bit of time, like I said, I got, we're – yeah, I, got, I don't – I mean, I, I'm going to make uh, food for us to eat at midnight, which is kind of traditional. Oh, nice. But, um, yeah, I'm making mashed potatoes and chicken. No, nothing fancy. Excellent. But well, yeah, but, but, but it's yeah, a great I'm, I'm definitely got a few more time if you want to go on Well, because I know VGO is not going to do it because Tiger Claw is out and about. <laughs> He's actually listening to us on a cell phone. So thank you, TC, for your continued support <laughs> and being an awesome person. Thank you, sir. Uh, but uh, he's the way that VGO gets online. So, uh, and and I try to put a two-hour limit on the shows themselves. We're at one forty-five, so I can go about fifteen more minutes if you're in. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah whatever, dude. I'm cool. done. Because uh, there were a couple of things I wanted to talk about still, and I also didn't want to. You wanted it. to talk about when you go to dinner with the emperor, and it kind of reminded me of Chrono Trigger. Oh yes, yeah, actually, yeah. It let's, totally let's reminded me that. of the trial in Chrono Trigger when you got to yes. talk to the guards and when he asking you questions and you're like, and wait a all minute, this the is stuff gonna, you this did is gonna in fuck the game later, yeah, yeah that you had fuck me later. <laughs> and by the way, in Chrono Trigger, I still to this day cannot get a decent trial. I always fa- am found guilty, and I know there's a way to be found innocent. Really? Isn't there? Oh, uh, maybe there's uh, not. <laughs> yeah, because even if you don't do it, you still get fucked. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> wow, really. I believe so. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Uh, but uh, but yes, that was that was a great scene. Um, it was reflective, and I'm sure that's why it was put into Chrono Trigger. Again, we've talked about it. Chrono Trigger is a hybrid between the uh, – and I did do a Chrono Trigger episode for those of you who want to know. But it was kind of disjointed, and I tried to stick with the plot and gameplay elements by myself in an hour and 45 minutes. It was pretty crazy. But, uh, but uh, Chrono Trigger was a collaboration between – the Dragon's Quest or Dragon Warrior team, Akira Toriyama, who always did the art, and he did Dragon Ball, and then the Final Fantasy team all coming together and making a game together. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that scene was was very cool, and it was very indicative of, like, uh, it, it, it was that false sense, right, that the game had been tracking your every movement, and you were like, wonder what is actually... Yeah. Wonder what was actually part of this. And now it's very easy to break down and look at it, right? You know, one simple walkthrough. Boom. Yeah, but it's it's very cool when when they did that, and I think that was the first time something like that was really done on a large scale game like this. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like it was just it was kind of cool, and I'm like, wait a minute, what, what's gonna happen here? You know, because mm-hmm. that's all. And the thing is, during that whole dinner, the whole unease, because I'm like, I, I'm like, yeah. I know this this fucking emperor, he's gonna fuck me. Right. I know, I know it, but I didn't remember because I honestly forgot. Like, does he really? Did he really turn over, you know, a new page, or is he still a dick? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I know that Kefka is gonna be a dick no matter what. I know this for a fact. But is this guy legit? And I, I, I really enjoyed that dude. That I didn't, I, I didn't remember if the emperor was, you know, being honest with his uh, turnaround. Well, and you know what? I, it made me think of, and I'm sorry to make the Star Wars reference. But they've made a joke on Robot Chicken about how awkward the dinner would have been. Remember in Empire Strikes Back when they're in Bespin and they walk in and Vader's sitting at the front of that table? Yes. And that's when they get captured, you know, and, and Han shoots him and he, like, reflects the beam and everything. 
Well, they go in in Robot Chicken. They've made a comedic, like what would happen if they actually sat down and ate dinner after that? You know, they're all captured, but they're about you know Vader's like, let's have dinner first. And this kind of reminded me of what that would have been like, uh, assuming they didn't know who Vader was or he had some sort of disguise or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, but no, that that dinner was was great. Um, I also liked. Uh, um, again, I just. Uh, I really liked the the scene, and I know we're kind of going back a little bit, but I like the scene when um, when you uh, when you get captured in the opera and uh, and you end up on the on the Falcon with Setzer, and Setzer is absolutely a hilarious character. Um, I thought yeah. he was great, and I thought that uh, that whole scenario of uh, when he kidnaps you and then you're up on the airship. And I don't know, like I said, that, that whole part, and then it kind of doubles up with Tara's flashback of how she came to be. I just thought that whole scenario was, was just extremely cool. Um, the other thing was there's this long stint. Um, and are you still with me? Okay. I think Eli had to get up for a second, but, uh, to continue what I was saying, there's this long stint where, um, throughout this whole thing, um, you kind of battle through part of the facility you battle a main boss. Uh, I think it's uh, Wait, number twenty-four. Uh, it's the number twenty-four, and then the minecart thing, which kind of reminded me of Temple of Doom, where you fight Temple of Doom. <laughs> number twenty-one, twenty-eight, and then you go on the airship and fight the cranes. These are three major battles that weren't that hard, especially when you're overleveled. But I've been told that the cranes can take you out real quick if you don't know the right ways to attack them. And remember, yeah. these are all puzzle bosses, so certain attacks can fuck you quick. I'll tell you which. Puzzle boss drove me fucking insane, dude. Yeah, which one? The boss at the top of the Kefka's tower when you when you get oh. the struggle back. Uh huh. Dude, I figured him out when I had like like we were all almost dead, <laughs> like on a on a thread of hope and like I had no MP and then I wait a minute he's shooting he keeps doing that the wall change thing. Uh huh. Uh, and I figured wait let me berserk this motherfucker see that works and it worked and I finally mm-hmm. he killed him with like at this. I used a phoenix down, and we were done. We were, like, we, we were as dead as a bucket of fried chicken. And I, I managed <laughs> to, like, you know, just get him at the very end because it, it occurred to me. Oh, wait. Because, you know, my logic for any Final Fantasy is usually usually status effects do not affect bosses. That's kind of like, right. you know, that's written in stone somewhere. But with this motherfucker, let me, let me try Berserk. And then I found out later when I looked at a strategy of how to beat him easy. After I beat him, they're like, oh, use Berserk from the beginning. You'll be fine because he cannot change his stance. I'm like, you bastards. <laughs> right. And, that, and the fact you can only use magic? Oh, I know. Yeah, if, there's... if I use my, my, my dudes and my swords and my claws, he would have been dead so fast. But the fact that I couldn't, I'm like, oh, you bastards. <laughs> right. Well, and, and, and I mean, we haven't kind of talked about it too much, but uh... – but that but, was the hardest boss. That was the hardest. Well, boss. yeah, and that's in By Kefka's far. tower. And Kefka's tower doesn't really have a whole lot of save. You don't points. get XP. Yeah. No, there, there's none at all. There is no rest points where you can you use. You have a tent. to burn through Kefka's tower. Uh huh. I burned through all my. Uh, what's it called? The that one item that gives you magic. The tinct- oh, the tinct- ether or ether. No, it's, it's not called ether. It's called something. It's like tincture or some shit like that. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I know what it you're tinct- talking about. It fully retur- restores your your. Magic. Oh shit! You get fifty. So oh, I'm like, oh, that one. Yeah, and, oh. and at this point, I had you know probably 600, 700. And well, I'm crazy with the thief, so I had stolen a bunch of stuff throughout the game, <laughs> and I had the glove on on him that he would oh. auto steal. Okay, 
Oh, the, the, the one that does capture? Well, you, it's, like, it's, yeah, oh, oh. it's, yeah, where you'd like run over to them, you steal it, and then you slit oh. their throat because you're a dick. Yeah, huh? yeah. Yeah, I use that all the time, so. Yeah, but that, dude, that, that whole tower had me pulling my hair out. And, 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 there's a dragon in that tower. Yes, I, and that's, I want to talk a, a little bit about dragons, if you, if you don't mind. Uh, let's, and again, guys, uh, this is kind of inside baseball if you've played the game, but, uh, I think it's very important to, to talk about it. So, so dragons initially seem like an easy concept, right? Um, especially with some of the early ones, uh, not necessarily the early ones, like the red dragon, for example. The red dragon was the first time I really, uh, was pissed. And I should know how to fight the red dragon, right? Because he is in a <laughs> volcano. He is fire. Pretty straightforward how to fight him, right? But what you don't count on with a character such as that is, oh, I don't know, maybe a little spell by the name of Flare Star. <laughs> uh, that will fuck the shit out of you. Um, uh, and, uh, Fire 2, which, uh, can. <laughs> Can nail you pretty hardcore and, uh, and, and, and things like that. So I, I did have a, I did have a hard time with that. Reflect wasn't as helpful as it had been in the past. <laughs> um, and that red dragon shaved some, some hours off my life. Um, fuck that red dragon. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's in the Phoenix cave. And uh, every time you die, you go back to the entrance of the Phoenix Cave. It's not See, a fun trip. That's why I love safe states. <laughs> yes, right? Uh, actually, uh, there were many times where I wish I'd had them. Um, and I checked. I do have a, uh, I do have an interesting way of uh, um, – I've got a lot of flashcards and stuff for repros and demos and, st- and stuff like that that I do video capture on, Eli. Yeah. <laughs> and I had one for my Game Boy Advance. And I was trying to see if uh, the uh, – because sometimes they, they include in those flashcards safe states, and they didn't have it, so there was no reason to benefit from moving over to that and copying my save. But it was a thought I had. <laughs> um, but, yes, and then how did you feel about the white dragon? Uh, again, at that point, overleveled. I mean, he did pack quite a wallop, but uh-huh. I packed a bigger wallop. So, okay, so fair enough. The, okay, the only dragon – the problem was was the one where I got hamstringed and I couldn't use my weapons, which is the one at the at the, the, the Zealots Tower. What, what is it called again? I forgot. Oh, uh, yeah. hold on, hold on. Kefka's yes, Tower. Uh, what, whatever the fuck is called. I think it is Kefka's Tower. Yeah, well, that place that was the only one that gave me trouble, and the first one when you go to Narsh on your way to get that Esper Triarch, whatever the fuck is oh, Triarch. Because yeah. no, the reason why he got me the first time was I didn't expect it. Because he just mm-hmm. comes out. Well, bam. Oh, that's the boss music. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, fuck. So I didn't expect it. So he's like, he bent me, he flipped me backwards, bent me over, and you know what happened afterwards. But when I, fight the pillow you know, boy. I kind of, the thing was, I hadn't saved in about 40 minutes for that fight. Yes. I, I at that point, I fortunately had been save, close, save often. But again, like, like we were talking about, I didn't have states. So I had to wait till the game wanted me to save. And uh, in the advanced games, people always go, oh, well, you can quick save. Nah, quick save just locks just your moment. It. Yeah, it, if you die, you die. It doesn't save you from that. It's, yeah, uh, but, like, but like I said, the worst fight in the entire game, it really was. The oh, ball. the Fanatics Tower is, is the one where it really ruined that my life with the White Dragon. Yeah, that's the White Dragon. Everybody else? No, I mean, the worst was that, that guy and on the top of the tower. Oh, uh, who was the top of the... He was this dude oh, standing. I'll find out for you. Yeah, he, he he looked like a biker. 
Yes, he did. That, that guy was the worst guy. And next to him, oh, that flying fucker. I never managed to tell him. The one when you fly in the airship and you to him? Yes. I, I mean, he wasn't too tough, but when he did that level fucking five doom and the other doom, he did like different doom attacks on you, and one of them was bound to hit you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Magic Master is the guy at the at the top, I believe. Motherfucker, dude. So he was the but hardest boss. He dude. is. And only because of the circumstances. That's the thing that pissed me off. Well, yeah. You know what he reminded me of? Because he can stop you from being able to use... Um, Doesn't he stop you from being able to use your weapons or something? No. You, the whole tower, you can't use weapons. You can only use magic. That's right. That's tower. right. It's a, it's a magic-only weapon. Uh, sorry. Uh-huh. I, you'll excuse me for a second. The beer's kicking in a little bit, and it's been like a week. Uh, and I know that sounds like not a lot, but that tower was like teeth grinding, and I did it at, at, at work. And then um, I did it while knowing that, that, that was just another. I didn't do it at work so that I didn't scream out the f word in the middle of everything. <laughs> you know, like I mean, it was it was not the easiest of levels. But like uh, I, said, I wasted I wasted all my the tincture whatever the fuck is called I wasted like by the time I was done with that place I had like ten left and I had it you know all maxed out to ninety nine. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, because you know it's only fifty and I I need you know some of these spells cost fifty. To do yes, like do. you know, especially Absolutely when you have your, your 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 threes, you know, your ice three, mm-hmm. fire three, and lightning three. It's like, come on, and then cure, you know. But dude, that that fight, and then when you get to the top, the the upper part, when you fight those fuckers that have reflect on, you know how the, oh the monster it says like it says level, you know, starts with level twenty magic, and then by the top towers like level ninety magic. Those level yeah, 90 and then you cast something, and then they reflect it right back on you, and you're like, okay, he's dead. That was a bad idea. And then you can't hit him with magic. So what you gotta do, you gotta mm-hmm. cast reflect on yourself, and then make the magic hit you, so it hits him, and it's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was, and it was fun though, because it felt like, you know, what it really felt like uh, for a second there, Eli. And I know it was frustrating because it was very frustrating for me, but it felt like for a second there that. Uh, uh, you're you're in a game in a battle of kind of wits with the computer without the computer being fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that was circa ninety five, right? Um, but uh, but yeah, it was it was it, it was interesting. Again, it was frustrating. There were times where I ground my teeth. There were times I turned off the game, and I had to walk away. Yeah, but that was but, the one part of the game that was hard, like hard, hard. Yes, because the difficulty really ramps up at the ending towers pretty crazy and um kind of like you said um there is a moment where you can get locked in a loop in any final fantasy game it's when they call uh they cast charm on all four of you and you just slowly watch as you all beat the shit out of each other and kill each other <laughs> i know you're like stop it you and- hit Saban, why do you have to hit so hard <laughs> well and that tower seemed like because they never shake out of charm uh, as far as I know, Unless in a Final Fantasy hit. game. Yeah. As long as you can... No, 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 oh, no, yeah, confused. I guess they do, but no, no confuse. Confuse. Yeah, confuse. You get, you, you know, you if get you confuse them and everybody gets confused, you're just sitting... It's, you're just sit, it's like insult to injury. You're sitting there watching yourself get your ass kicked. And that's what that tower felt like the whole time. Especially with the reflect spells and whatnot. But having said that, I don't know about you, Trees. Or, Trees, sorry. <laughs> Eli, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Let's go get some beer at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love I, don't trees. You, I don't know about you, Eli, but uh, when I beat that tower, the Magic Man specifically, and also when I beat Kefka, especially when I beat Kefka, 
I dropped to my fucking knees. One thing that you forgot about that tower is you have to walk out. Yeah. Yes. You can't yes. warp out. You don't just get in there. You have to get out. Yeah. So you get up there. You grind your teeth. You cry. I think when you beat the boss, though, it, it, it makes one of those things appear where you can use a, a tent. You do save, but you still got to get out. So then you got to get out. I'm like, are you – you know what? That's, I was this, lucky that's, enough. I had like 99 tents. I, I did have 99 <laughs> tents, uh, and I thought I was going to be able to use them. And, of course, I never got an opportunity. Um, but – I will say, but but what good does it do you, right? You're at the top of the tower. You get full everything. Great. But it's kind of like a reverse of what you just did. It is. <laughs> I mean, luckily, you know, by the time you get to the bottom, it's easy again. And, you know, these guys die with, like, fire one, but... Mm-mm-mm. Right. Those, 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 so those it's one of those things steps. where, yeah, this one's an uphill battle, and then now it's a downhill battle. So I'll <laughs> give them that, right? It's like driving home from Alaska, but... You're still neglecting the fact that you're driving home from Alaska, right? It's still a slog. It's just less of a slog than it was going there. But, yeah, I, having said that, I felt really accomplished. And when people go, RPGs are just a game of leveling, there's not much skill involved. And if you level enough, you can overcome anything and no problems. I challenge them to play this game. <laughs> Prove me wrong. Get to level 99 and tell me that any idiot with a, you know, drinking bird on the A button can beat this game. No way, dude. No, I mean, never gonna and this, this is not the fanboy in me talking, which I know I, I am a bit of a fanboy for classic Final Fantasy. You know, the, the newer Final Fantasies, I just tolerate them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But the classic ones, yeah, I, actually, you know, I, I gotta tell you though, Lightning Returns, or, yeah. No, but, uh, X3, Lightning, yeah. or 13-3, Lightning well, Returns, for I some played, reason I'm tempted. I played 13, I played 13-2, so I'm going to play Lightning Returns. It's not a question of, of if, yeah. it's a question of when. But, like, you know, I tend to, like, I couldn't tell you the story of 13. <laughs> I really couldn't. <laughs> Lightning is mad at somebody, and there's, there's a, a effeminate boy in it. I don't know. It's I, the same story as this one, only super complicated. And I don't know if that's true, but that's what I choose to say. I got about 30 hours in. I'm like, okay, there's pulse, pulse, let's seize, let's seize. Uh, fuck it. <laughs> like, I, it's like, and I, I cannot stand Tetsuya Nomura. Somebody should take him out back and beat him. His character designs. I'm just, you know what, dude? I get it. You like zippers. Now get over it. I cannot stand them, dude. And dude, yeah, but I'd kind of like to meet one of the girls in his games in real life. Um, but dude, uh, I have to get out of here soon, dude. My wife is actually yeah. Well, no, we'll wrap it up. But uh, but having said that, anyway, um, absolutely fantastic game, and I'm glad we got to get into some of the gameplay stuff. Holds up very well. Great game. You know, if you want to try what you know, what's the big hubbub with these old Final Fantasies? If you started with seven, which you know what, I'll forgive your mistake. Lots did. Um, <laughs> try this one. Yeah, give it a chance. It's not. It's not really that much of a change over seven. Like seven really has a lot seven. of similarities. It looks better than seven, I, people. I personally agree. It does. Um, it it does. holds up a lot better than yeah, seven, maybe. like from okay. a retrospective. And that's not a default of seven. It's the fault of polygons. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Early polygons are terrible. And the world ends in this one. Can't fucking get that in 7. Like, the world already ended in 7. The bad guy wins. The bad guy wins. Yes, the bad guy wins. On now, people. (laughs) Yeah, in every way. Uh, yeah, yes, and Fortingard saying, uh, Toriyama, not, uh, Namora. Toriyama's the one who's in love with zippers. But anyway, um, so Eli, real quick, (laughs) 
Akira uh, Toriyama. Do... That's the guy from Final that made Dragon Ball. E... Akira yeah, Toriyama made Dragon Ball. He ain't the one that made those zippers. Yeah, no, Nomura's the zipper guy. Actually, yeah. I'm gonna go back. Yeah, sorry. Um, but anyway, uh, real quick. Uh, so, Eli, where can we find you? You can find most me. of the time. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, all that good stuff. You can find me there as, as SoDoom. You can find me on Sundays at 9 p.m. on all games on this great, great, great station over here doing mm-hmm. a Knuckleballer Radio with Sean Freeman and Normie. And that's about <laughs> it. What about you, man? What about you? Oh, yeah. Um, obviously, you can find me on Gaming History 101 every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern and GamingHistory101.com. Um, also, you can find me on the B-Team Podcast every Thursday night. That's the modern uh, gaming podcast at 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. But I would like to give a couple quick shout-outs, if you can hang in there, Eli. Um, Go ahead, man. First one being to anyone out there who is a listener, um, I have a little request for you guys. Um, I don't know if it's the holidays. It's entirely possible it is, but I haven't been following metrics heavily until now. Um, we went from about five to 600 downloads a month, or a week, sorry, not a month, a week for every episode of Gaming History 101, and it has cut kind of in half. Um, and so that's why I, uh, I'm, I'm curious. I'm hoping it's the holidays, but if you guys can help me out, just let me know. Um, and there is a lot of talk, uh, in, in the chat right now about, uh, the designers. So we, we will get to that. I'm sorry, guys, if we got that wrong. I'm just trying to wrap up. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, um, if you guys can help us out, tell people about us, uh, let people know. I don't, I'm never going to charge for it. There's never going to be advertising. I never care about that stuff. But I would love to uh, sprout us out. I want to show up at conventions and things like that. And the way we do that is showing them how many downloads we get per month. So if you guys can help me out, I can get around this country and try to uh, meet all of you. Maybe I can even get to Europe on my own dime to fly there just to get into a convention. Uh, PAX requires a certain requirement just to get a booth. So anyway, one way or the other, I want to get this stuff going, and the way we do it is to let people know about us. Of course, if you go on Stitcher, thumbs up us. If you like us on Google+, and I know a lot of you have, I thank you. And we even have 11 positive, very positive reviews on iTunes, so I thank you everyone who has done that. If you can help me, that would be great. And I know we're kind of hard to find because I set up a username on Podbean that they didn't tell me that spaces were allowed and spaces help you out. But it's GamingHistory101.com, all lowercase, no spaces. That's where you can find any podcast, uh, any of our podcasts on any of the services. We are on every service. Help us out. Let's get some more listenership. Um, but in the meantime, let us know if you want to hear anything, any specific topics. I do many of my topics based off of listener requests, as you heard on this very show. <laughs> GamingHistory101.com. Go to the contact link. And last but not least, let's let you guys in on what we're doing for our next game club, what we're doing for upcoming episodes. So next game club is going to be Guardian Heroes. Originally we're, uh, came out um, by, uh, I believe Treasure did guardian heroes actually but it originally came out on the saturn it was a fun little hack and slash in the vein of final fight but with rpg elements very similar to like final fight meets the dungeons and dragons arcade games if you've ever played those eli and um they were good it came <laughs> it came out on the xbox 360 for the low low price of i think 10 bucks it might even be five bucks pick it up 
play it. Um, in order to do the complete run, which we'll be talking about on next month's show with, uh, I think we've got Jam and Yogi joining us for that one. Um, it's going to take you about 45 minutes to play through each one, and you have to play through it about four or five times. So it's about a six-hour slog for the whole month. I think Eli will tell you that's nothing compared to what we put in for Final Fantasy VI. <laughs> so fucking do it. Um, I will record one of my playthroughs on my Saturn copy because, fuck, I've got a Saturn copy that's super expensive. I may as well fucking play that version. Um, but I might use the Xbox 360 as an excuse to get some achievements uh, and play through that one for all of them. But we will do a very full kind of connection. And then just so you know what the game clubs are going to be in the upcoming future, um, because I have a personal love for this, and while I really wanted to do the original Metal Gear Solid... Um, in honor of Metal Gear, uh, uh, Metal Gear Five coming out in March, that kind of pseudo demo Ground Zeroes. I wanted to do Metal Gear Solid One, but a lot of people have covered it, and a lot of us have played it. So instead, we are going to do Buffy the Vampire Slayer on the original Xbox. Have you ever played this one, Eli? <laughs> that game was fan fucking tastic. Thank you. I think it is fantastic. I think it's wonderful. I think it's tough. But I think it's a great uh, beat 'em up hack and slash um, that goes beyond what we've seen in the final fight genre and things like that. So it's kind of thematic, but I think it's a good change of pace. So we're going to do that one. And then going into March, we're going to do our shmup cast. So um, Jason uh, Alberiza, who has done the uh, great logo that we have for our site now uh, and for our podcast, uh, suggested it. He wanted us to take five shmups, play through them, play a lot of them, and do high scores and stuff. And um, uh, he wanted us to talk about them. So I've got that list almost officially done, but I wanted to talk to Jason and stuff like that, make sure his is accounted for and things like that. Uh, so I will get that list in the upcoming weeks and uh, hopefully take care of that. Um, Eli, I know you're going to take off, so I want to say thank you. No um, problem, I'm going to stay on and talk a couple about a couple of things, but I thank you for joining us. No problem, you have man. a good one. I'll see you next week on Knuckle. My pleasure. Okay? Take care, guys. All right. Peace, Peace out. Uh, all right, and uh, uh, but yes, there's going to be five shmups, and they're all going to be for modern-day stuff. There's going to be, I think, two retro ones, so emulators or however you can do it. And last but not least, I want to talk about the upcoming episodes for January. So coming up next week, we're going to do the year in review on the fives and tens. We do this every year. Uh, Retronauts also does it. Hopefully they'll do it this year now that they've got a new season. But basically we take um, the year that it is, 2014, and we go back to the fours and the nines and talk about all the significant things that happened. I'm going to avoid the things that we've already talked about in our Christmas episodes and things like that, but we will be talking about them. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I think we're going to have some friends of ours from across the pond. No promises, but tune in next week to find out about that. Then after that, we're going to probably, this is tentative, do a Marvel Retro episode where we talk about the retro video games of Marvel. I'm hoping to have Chip and... Andy from the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast join us uh, because on January 3rd on All Games we're doing the live hour-long Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast where we talk about Marvel games of today. So if you're into those, uh, definitely check it out then and then check out the 
following week for the Marvel Retrocast. And then we've got a cool episode with uh, Fortingard Yuri um, that he suggested that I thought was a great idea, which is boss battles. So that'll be uh, rounding up, and then we'll finish the month with Guardian Heroes. So that's kind of an idea of what's going on. In the meantime, like I said, check us out at GamingHistory101.com. You guys all have a safe and happy New Year's. If it has not hit already, it is 8.15 my time. And I'm hoping to uh, wrap this up and uh, get on with uh, festivities. I will not be leaving the house. I will not be heavily drinking, but still be having some fun. And definitely check out the YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash VGPTGS. And uh, you can also get it by clicking the videos link at the front of GamingHistory101.com for some more videos that I'm going to be doing tonight on some retro gaming. I think I'm going to play Shinobi and uh, more of Michigan. So it's hour two of both of those games. Anyway... Without further ado, I'm going to wrap it up and say thank you to everyone. Thank you, TC, for joining in from your cell phone. Thank you, Fortinguard. Jam, I hope you're feeling better. I hope you're feeling up to it. We can't wait to have you back on for the Guardian Heroes episode. Thank you, All Games. Thank you, Chatters. Thank you, everybody. And if you haven't played Final Fantasy VI, you better get on that. Until next week, happy gaming and peace out.